Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to the first week of the 2022 season. I'm excited. I'm your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. How are you, Joe? It's football time. We're here. The longest summer of my life is over. We finally get to bet on all of the chaos that has ensued in the NFL over the last four or five months. Uh, We finally get to make some fucking money. I love it. Uh, To kick off this year, we are doing something a little bit different, a little more exciting. Uh, We are joining the Super Contest. Now, I kind of. Now, I barely know what it is. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of other people have no idea what it is. So, Joe, why don't you explain it a little bit? What exactly is it? Okay, we're not joining the Super Contest because it's financially advantageous to join the Circa Millions Contest, which is the exact same thing, just a little bit different on the money side. Uh, Read, it's better. Um, But it's the same thing. You pick five five games against the spread at odds that I think they set Wednesday night. So it's uniform. No line movement is what it is. Uh, Five picks every week. They might make you pick some Thanksgiving games or Christmas games. I don't really remember, but it doesn't matter because we were going to do that shit anyway. You might remember last year we had the Turkey Bowl for our Thanksgiving picks. Uh, We would have done the same shit for Christmas, I'm sure, this year. Um, Regardless, all of our pod picks from last year, this time we have money behind them. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to go, I'm sure I think if you go on Circa's website, Circa Las Vegas, you can find the the leaderboard for the contest. And our name in there is just going to be at PBFG underscore pod, just same as our Twitter account. So if you want to follow along there, go ahead. Otherwise, we'll be telling you who we're picking on this podcast every week and posting it on Twitter a little closer to game time. And I mean, should I tell them when they can get it earlier? Yeah, I think you should plug it. Yeah, I mean, like if you want all of our pod picks, and all the picks that I make personally, as soon as they get made, you can go on the Patreon in my bio on Twitter and you can sign up to be a bet backer. And for $10 a month, I'll tell you fucking everything that I think as soon as I think it. And unless you're betting like $2 a game, it would have been profitable to do so every year for six years. So the Patreon is not quite free anymore, but it's mostly free. It's a free Patreon with uh, added added subscription services. In in app purchases available. There you go. That's that's yeah. a nice way of putting it. Yeah. So free Patreon. Still still mostly a free Patreon, but the po- the real focus here is not the f- mostly free Patreon. It is that we are entering the Circa Millions contest. Uh, and Alex's motivation, although he does not bet as large as I do, is that if we win, he will get a cut of the winnings. Yeah, yeah, I'm thrilled. This is a really really good deal for me. I have to highlight that. I'm I'm aware <laughs> of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hope against everything that this is a hot year. Yeah, and also worth noting, um, it's. It's not so in the super contest, the classic one, uh, it's a lower payout for the winner, but also they just do like they pay you at the end, depending on how you rank in the millions contest every month. So every four or five weeks, depending uh, of the season, whoever is like in first place for that swath will get a thousand or a few thousand dollar prize. So I think it's like $10,000 if you finish first for one of the four week swaths. So let's just not lose any bets for the first four weeks of the season, get the cha-ching, I'll pay you out, and then we don't even have to worry. Yeah, I like that plan. I think yeah. just nice, easy, flawless four weeks. Yeah, we'll just go like 20 and 0. Why not? Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any better way than to start 20 and 0 than to look at the week one board. You want to jump in? Yeah, 
Let's do it. Outstanding. All right. Well, first up on Thursday night, we got a real fun one to kick off the year. The Buffalo Bills are going to play at the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are plus two and a half. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be a pod pick. Um, I don't like betting on good teams playing other good teams that often, but you got to take the Rams here. There's just so much value. I honestly, I don't understand where it's coming from. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of, I agree with you, this is a pod pick. I mean, the the Rams are catching points at home. Like that's kind of the end of the, the conversation for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like it doesn't have to go deeper. We will. But it doesn't happen. Yeah, but like they're they're one of, if not the best team in the league. Still, they just won the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe there's a bit of a hangover, but like they're still a really good team. They lost Von Miller. They added Bobby Wagner. Who knows what's going on with Stafford's arm? But they say it's fine. Yeah, they say no limitations. And frankly, first of all, his arm was not all there last year. He had this going on last year, and he was still the second best quarterback in the NFL by a pretty significant margin. Um, and that's saying something because I love Justin Herbert. But additionally, it's the kind of injury that would build up over time. So week one, Matt Stafford's arm is never going to feel better than it's going to feel this Thursday. Put it that way. This is the best his arm is going to feel possibly for the rest of his career, but at least this season. So if you ever are going to bet on the Rams, here's your spot. And you don't have to worry about a Super Bowl hangover because A, it's at home and Ozzy Osbourne's playing. Who doesn't love an Ozzy Osbourne concert in 2022? Um, I honestly didn't know he played music anymore. Yeah, I, I think he's actually got an album coming out really he should have died a long time ago not like value moral judgment wise but just like science says yeah biology the amount of cell death that has occurred with that man anywho's it's you don't have to worry about a super bowl hangover on the first game of the season because all of these players just like us have been waiting for this for weeks if not months and they're playing against the bills who are apparently the public super bowl favorite now that kind of came out of nowhere for me yeah since last week i've been trying to consume a little bit more just like national media content and try and get a little bit more of what the public is looking at going into week one. And yeah, the bills, like people are talking about them. Like, okay, this is one of the best rosters we've ever seen best roster in Buffalo since they were going to super bowls. If they don't go deep in the playoffs, it's a failed season. They should win 13 games. Like it's some really high opinions on them right now. Yeah. Like they are the consensus number one team somehow. And we can get into why that's not quite right in my mind in a moment, but just focusing on the motivation real quick, as is going to be the case for damn near every game. I don't think it matters this week, particularly everybody. This is everybody's Super Bowl, right? Like everybody wants to go one and oh, everybody's been waiting for this game planning for weeks. And before we get into the players, which I, that's the crux of the evaluation always, it's worth noting that teams haven't really been doing any football work for at least a week, right? It's at the very least, they have a two week run up to game plan for this particular game. And ostensibly they could have been game planning all summer. A common theme throughout week one will be that the offensive masterminds, the Andy Reeds, the Frank Reichs, the Sean McVays, they will have a significant advantage over every other team that does not have such a mastermind. Not only because they're going to put in the effort. We know Sean McVay is like notoriously addicted to his job. 
but also because they can do more with that time. And you see this in not only their week one records. I know trends aren't a big thing, but look at their week one records against the spread and straight up. And look at their post by week records against the spread and straight up. McVeigh, Reed, Sean Payton, you know, in a past life. Frank Reich, these dudes are really, really good when given extra time. Sean McDonough, nope, Sean McDermott. You have been struggling with that name recently. I, my anti-Irish bias is coming out. I can't hide it any longer. Um <laughs> We're starting off hot. I've sworn like four times and now I'm racist against the Irish. Uh, it's fine. You're from Chicago. <laughs> Sean McDermott, uh, he might be a really good coach. I don't think he is. But first of all, he's a defensive guy. Second of all, he has no input on game planning. And third of all, as we discussed on last week's pod, it sounds like if he had his way, the Bills would be doing some disadvantageous things with their play calling. He wants more of a run-oriented offense. Not run-oriented necessarily, but significantly more balanced than it was last year where they were like arguably the pass happiest team um so all the intangible things point to the rams motivation doesn't matter and coaching give a little force multiplier to the rams who already had a better coaching staff for my money in the first place anything to add or no i think that's a pretty good way to look at it it's uh it's not anything that's gonna like decide the game but it's definitely the thing that should give us a lean towards the Rams before even getting into the players. Yeah. Like if you were going to make an argument against the Rams, your best bet is to start with like that vague, vapid motivation styling bullshit. And I'm, I'm putting my foot on its throat right now. Let's not get there. Let's not even go there. Let's break down players. So where should we start? <laughs> it's I, honestly, I don't think that the Rams are at a disadvantage in any area of the field. All right. Let's, let's start off with the Rams offense versus the Bills defense. Okay. I think that the Rams offense is going to be a lot better this year because yes, they lost their left tackle. Uh, the big motherfucker, Whitworth, Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth. They lost Andrew Whitworth, but Joe Nopum was really good in a relatively, honestly, it wasn't even that small of a sample size. He played like six or seven games last year and he was really good. So I don't think they're going to miss out a ton there. And they lost Austin Corbett at right guard, but one, it's a guard. And two, I'm not worried about the Bills interior pass rush or really their pass rush in general. Von Miller's really good, but we've seen motivation be a real big issue for him in the regular season. And one edge rusher, an entire defense defensive line does not make. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we can say you just got a big contract. He's on a team that is likely the public favorite to be, to play in the Super Bowl. He's going to say, apparently, especially out of the AFC and he's playing his former team that he just won a Super Bowl with. So, I mean, I think just as we said, the Rams, you can't really use a motivation thing against them. I think it could go the same way for Von Miller and the Bills. Yeah, you're you're on to, that's a good point. And so typically I would detract from Von Miller over the course of the season. I don't think he'll be a significant factor, but in this particular game, we'll probably get playoff try hard Von Miller, which is still a really good player. Yeah, but I agree with you that outside of him, they don't get much of a push. I mean, we we've talked about Greg Russo, even though he grades out all right, the man does not really rush the passer. No, he's just long and hard to move. So like the Rams won't be running it up the gut at him, I guess, but we didn't want them to anyway. Yeah. I mean, and then Ed Oliver has a little bit, not not quite what we expected him to be able to do in the past game, but he's still got some ability to get after the quarterback and, you know, against a, a new right guard might have some ability there to put some pressure, but I don't think they're going to be able to get after Stafford too much. 
but I also don't think that Stafford's going to be able to sit back there for three and a half seconds every play. Yeah, it won't be a particular advantage. I think the real advantage comes behind that defensive line. I didn't know this. Uh, I think it, it broke in the last couple of days. You know, uh, Trey White is not playing for the first month of the season. Yeah, yeah. I pup. think isn't he on pup? He's on. He's on pup. Yeah. So Kair Elam is going to be cornerback one, rookie out of Florida, who is solid. But this just the matchups could not be better for the Rams. So Kair Elam is probably going to stick to Allen Robinson most of the game. And part of why I'm so high on the Rams this year is that. I think Allen Robinson is the best receiver on the Rams today. I don't think he's an elite wide receiver either, but I think he's significantly better than Cooper Cup in a vacuum. Now, chemistry, scheme fit, experience, what have you, surely matters for production. But having Cooper Cup as your wide receiver two or three kicked into the slot, I mean, he played in the slot almost exclusively last year anyway, but having a true X wide receiver on the outside to distract defenses and truly threaten downfield is going to be massive for this offense. So Elam is mostly going to line up on Robinson. He does not have inside-outside versatility. He is not the quickest cornerback as it is. Let's say Elam plays the game of his life, and in his first NFL game, he manages to erase Allen Robinson, which is far the fuck fetched. Yeah, then I would say that's unlikely, but we can play that game right now. If you play that game, it means that Teron Johnson and Dane Jackson are going to be tasked with figuring out a way to cover Cooper Cup. I don't like their chances. Now, Me either. They could kick Micah Hyde down into the slot. It's not it's not his best facet as a player and he doesn't do it that often, but it's possible. This is a cover 2 team, so they're they're going to run a lot of man too high and they're going to run a fair amount of deep dropping cover 2 zone, which means Cooper Cup is going to eat eat receptions. He's probably Dude, should we look at the props? Should we look at Cooper Cup catch props and yard props real quick? Yeah, I mean we can. Might as well. I'm not super keen to bet on props in week one just because I feel like we have games that we we can, but might as well see what they're looking like. So Allen Robinson over under 64 and a half yards, Cooper Cup over under 95 and a half. So that's not going to be the move. Yeah, it's too high. Um, Total receptions may be better. Cooper Cup, seven and a half receptions. Vegas knows. So yeah, uh, Cooper Cup's going to get a ton of receptions. That's just how this game is going to go. I don't think that the Bills will have an answer, even if they stay in nickel as they always do. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Poyer is just coming off an injury. I mean, they're like, it sounds like he is going to play, but doesn't tell me he's going to be 100%. Micah Hyde, he's great. I mean, their safeties are where they have any hope. It's probably the best safety duo in the NFL, and I don't want anybody to get that twisted. It's Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think the Titans is better with Bayard and uh, Thornhill, or not Thornhill, um, the other one. That's great. I think the best. Is it a Mountie Hooker? It's a it's a Monty Hooker. I always get Thornhill and Hooker confused because they were the same draft class. And you love both of them. Yeah, but no. Um, one thing. I think Hyde and Poyer they play off each other so well. They complement each other really well, and you can interchange them because they can. They could both honestly play like the opposite positions. Well, I mean, most of of the time they both play true safety. Neither of them is like a box safety masquerading. Like they both play. Like I said, they play a lot of too high, so they they take half the field and they erase it. And they do a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think they're both incredibly versatile. They complement each other really well, and they're just both good. Yeah. Um, so that's where they they have a lot of hope in trying to 
contain those receivers because you're right they're they're not going to be able to do it at all with their corners but they should be able to cover it up a little bit between the safeties and Matt Milano who covers really well as well Matt Milano covers really well but he's going to have his hands full with Tyler Higby and dude I could just see it right now Sean McVay is going to sit down look at the lineup on his whiteboard and go oh dude everything's going to be open under 15 yards because Trey Edmonds cannot cover shit. Matt Milano can cover, but he's a linebacker. They have no corners and they have two safeties that are really good, but play way up high. I'm just going to throw fucking quick hitters to Cooper Cup all goddamn day. I'm going to get Tutu Atwell, a couple screens. We're going to run this bitch like clockwork, easy little passes. We're going to march down the field. Additional, so some of those who are more informed are going to say, but Joe, Alex, the Bills were the number one defense in the NFL last year, according to several metrics. I'm pretty sure DVOA, but certainly scoring. To which I will say, who the fuck did they play? And when they played them, did they do any good? Your DVOA is going to skyrocket when you have a tornado game against the Patriots and they throw the ball thrice. One, one of which was a throwaway. Like you played the Jets twice. You played the Dolphins twice. You played the Patriots thrice. That right there is enough to have an easy schedule for your defense. But they also played the Steelers, the Jaguars. Right there, that's half your schedule cakewalk. I'm not impressed by having a good defensive year when you that's your lineup. Not exactly a murderer's row. So I expect major regression from that statistically, but that's kind of beside the point because we just broke down why we think the Rams are particularly equipped to fucking devastate this defense on Thursday. Yeah, and like they have no corners when it because that's the that's the worst thing about this Bills defense, right? Is they have very little cornerback depth. Yep. We've talked about it. Even even national people that are really high on will say that that's the thing you worry about with them is that they have Trey White who isn't playing first month and then a rookie and some guys that you're pretty replaceable. Dane Jackson is a practice squad. No, that's mean. He's a very replaceable player. He's a seventh rounder a couple years ago, and I have no indication that that was wrong. Yeah, so it's just a really bad matchup to go against the guy that had one of the most impressive wide receiver seasons ever last year. Yeah, it was a little inflated, but still, they figured it out with him. And a new addition in Allen Robinson, who isn't maybe what he was in Jacksonville. He's a little slower now, but he's still a good receiver and you have no corners. He's not only is Allen Robinson still a good receiver. Let's put it this way. Here are, while Allen Robinson has been playing major American football, his quarterbacks have been Justin Fields, uh, Andy Dalton for like a game and a half, whatever. Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, and Christian Hackenberg at Penn State. He might have, he had some Nick Foles thrown in there too. And he still became a really good NFL receiver. What happens when he gets a good quarterback? Now you might be saying, does it really matter that much? I don't know. How has Kenny Galladay looked ever since Matt Stafford stopped throwing him the ball, getting him thousand yard receiving seasons? He almost got cut from the Giants this year. Apparently Brian Dable. (laughs) Admittedly, that contract is egregious. Dable wanted to cut him so bad, he considered eating the 17 mil in cap space. That's how bad it was. So the Stafford difference, I mean, we went over it last year. There's no better quarterback on earth ever at forcing the ball to the person he wants to throw it to when he makes up his mind. That's not necessarily a good thing, but it's certainly good for a possession receiver who wants to accumulate stats. Yeah. So bottom line, they should be able to put up some points. The Rams are going to score points. Mm-hmm. Flip it to but the other side. As we've talked about with the Bills, doesn't always matter when you have Josh Allen and that offense humming. So, yeah, let's talk about the Bills' offense versus Ramsey. 
Okay, so th- I'm currently grinning because everybody's talking about the Bills as like a prohibitive Super Bowl favorite, but we're about to talk about, we, we already discussed how their cornerbacks, the most important part of the defense, suck. And their defensive line, the second most important part of the defense, mediocre at best. They stopped the run well. Now we're going to talk, you know, who gives a fuck? Now we're going to talk about how their offensive line, it, it's not that it has holes, it's that it has parts that are technically not holes. And by part, like Deion Dawkins is a decent left tackle. He's solid. Everything else across the board, eh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe good, maybe shit. Like, okay, they got Roger Saffold at left guard. I am checking. Yeah, he's 34 years old, and he's sucked for the last two years. Now, PFF grade's not everything, but with line play, it's typically pretty goddamn good. He had a 46.7 pass blocking grade last year. Is that what you want? No. If, if, I'm, uh, if I'm crafting an offensive line, I would not, I would not want that. Exactly. So left tackle, solid left guard. Dare I say shit. Mitch Morset center is like a journeyman, whatever B minus C plus center. Fine. Uh, I think it's Ryan Bates. Yes. Ryan Bates has shown out fairly well in small sample sizes to the tune of the bears trying to bring him in to be their journeyman right guard this past year. I would say it's a C plus player. It's a little worse than Mitch Morse. Like if Ryan Bates gets cut, cut tomorrow, he's not getting a big contract. Somebody will bring him in and take a chance on him to start. And then at right tackle, they've got Spencer Brown, who is a second year player, has not significantly started. And when he did, PFF hated it. So we've got two dudes who definitely suck, two dudes who could be okay enough, and one dude who's solid. They have to block Aaron Donald. Bitch, how? Right. Where their best, their only like good player is on the outside. And now you have Aaron Donald terrorizing that weird interior line. Yeah. Roger Saffold's old ass is going to need a cane after this game. And like Leonard Floyd's not good. That's all we need to say about Leonard Floyd. But he's athletic and long and he will at least occupy Dawkins on the uh, on the outside. So like you're not going to be able to somehow I'm sure that somebody more creative than me could create an well, I guess you could you can't really wham block on a pass set. <laughs> but you could try to have Deion Dawkins loop back around and wham block on the defensive tackle with the center and have the left guard twist around him to pick up the edge. But aside it sounds from, pretty convoluted. Yeah, that sounds like a really good way to accidentally get Josh Allen beheaded from the blind side. But yeah, I mean, so like you're, you're fucked. You can't handle and then Greg Gaines, a solid player, not a great player, but a solid defensive tackle. Justin Hollins on the other edge, not good. In fact, bad. But that's okay. That's okay. You only need to get home one time per snap, right? So Donald is going to be a significant pressure. Floyd can actually keep up with Josh Allen. Ernest Jones at linebacker is a great athlete. People who study film, I don't study film on the defensive side of the ball as much. People that are super into it think he's got a ton of potential. I see an athlete. I see a guy who can spy quarterbacks, and that's perfectly fine. And Bobby Wagner is a savant. So yeah. I will not and again, he's him. getting up there in age. Yeah. So you always wonder when he's going to hit that wall and drop off. But he was still good last year on a worthless team. So, yeah, I don't want I imagine Bobby it's Wagner. probably a little. I don't want him spying Josh Allen anymore like I would have four years ago. But I certainly think he's an asset to that defense. Yeah. And it's probably going to be a little easier for linebackers to play when they have Aaron Donald in front of them. That'll help. And Greg Gaines yeah. and Ashawn Robinson. These are dudes who eat space. Mm hmm. And quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so I think the Rams are going to play a ton of zone too, simply because I don't think their cornerbacks line up very well. Like David Long is going to be the Rams cornerback too this year. And he's like a little bit undersized. He's more of a slot guy. 
I like him, but I like him as a slot guy. He's going to be on the outside this year and he'll be covering. I mean, if you were to man up, he would probably cover Stefan Diggs just because Diggs plays a game that it's about quicks. It's about speed. And I don't think that Jalen Ramsey is particularly adept to handle that. So I think that if they were to go, man, they'd have to throw Ramsey on Gabe Davis and they'd have to throw long on Stefan Diggs. And that just feels wrong and dumb. They yes. could, they could. And then they could give safety help over the top to long so that he could be, he could press up on Diggs better and they could do that. But I think that instead they'll just play zone. That's kind of how they've handled things anyway, but they brought back Troy Hill. So they've got a good slot corner or a solid slot corner. They're going to be playing zones. So the bills won't be able to get anything big on them. Taylor Rapp and uh, what's his name? Fuller, uh, Jordan Fuller. They're solid over the top. I, who's that third uh, safety that they had? Uh, Byron Scott, I want to say. I love number 33 last year. I think Byron Scott is a basketball coach. Is he? We'll get to the bottom of this. Nick Scott. Ah. I was close. I really like him, though. I actually really like his game. He's athletic and he hits hard. He's good on special teams. What more could you ask for? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not an elite secondary by any means. I mean, they don't have anywhere near the safety ability that the Bills have. Um, But it doesn't have as many big holes. But they're solid. They've got a little bit more depth and they have their top flight corner. I know Jalen Ramsey and Tredavious White are very different types of corner, but Jalen Ramsey is still a good player. Tredavious White is like actually an elite corner and Jalen Ramsey is an elite safety playing corner. Um, exactly. But, and Jalen Ramsey also doesn't get used like a pure corner. Exactly. And they, they like to stick him in the slot. They like to play him over the top at safety. They'll get creative and find ways to just make the defense solid enough. And again, I think Josh Allen's going to have some trouble with pressure. I mean, I don't know how he'll handle the pressure. Typically he's really good at it, but he's going to be yep. pressured because this offensive line is just shit. And I, I know that everybody's really high on Gabriel Davis, but dare I ask, are we sure? It's one thing to be wide receiver four and have a breakout game or two. It's quite another to be wide receiver two and draw like legitimate coverage as the X receiver. I agree with you. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kept some of this up because he did have a really good playoffs, but he's moving up the depth chart. He's going to get the extra attention. People know who he is. It's not like, oh, okay, so we have Stephon Diggs, and then you don't really know who you're covering after that between, you know, Beasley, Knox. Um, They had, what, Emmanuel Sanders last year. Yeah. And Gabe Davis. Now it's like, okay, we're covering Gabe Davis if it's not Stephon. Exactly. And I actually love Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. He is explosive as all hell. He's not going to have any room to go. He's got, he's got nowhere to go because Troy Hill is a legitimate good corner at slot corner. And then the linebackers are athletic and rangy in pass coverage. The safeties are big hitters who are over the top. And the Rams pride their defense on stopping the pass. So it would take legitimately great play from Josh Allen to put up big numbers on offense. Right, which is where you get into the Bills conundrum because that's entirely possible. I feel like there's like a 30% chance that you get one of those crazy Josh Allen games and you're just sitting there going, man, the defense did everything right. And somehow still he completed a 50-yard play and flipped the game or something like that. But then there's the 70% chance that he doesn't do that. Okay, so Josh Allen did have three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I could have just counted. Duh. He had nine great plus games last year. So these are games where he got a B plus grade or better. Okay, so maybe like a 50% chance. (laughs) Exactly. And 
he did tend to play pretty well against good competition. Like he played against Tampa. He played solid football. He played against Kansas city twice. He played good football and solid football, but his good games aside from those came against new England, the jets, new England, new England, (laughs) the saints after they lost their quarterback, the jets again, and arguably Tennessee. So most of his good games came beating up on bad teams, and he still managed to put in two real fucking stinkers with a few C's mixed in there. So is Josh Allen great? Yes. He's my QB, what, six, seven? And was I wrong about Josh Allen coming out in the draft? Yeah, I thought he would suck. He yeah, me too. He, he got a lot more accurate. I don't know how the fuck it happened. It happened. He's a he's a really good quarterback, and there's no denying it anymore. But I don't want us to be confused into thinking that he is like on Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert's level. He's not yet. He might never get there. And for all we fucking know, Brian Dibble was the one pulling the strings. And now he reverts back to being a puppet or a pumpkin. Yeah, I do think we're going to see more Josh Allen running this year. I do too, which is he's the best running quarterback in the NFL. So that's tough. Yeah, but I think this defense matches up pretty well for a Josh Allen running game because you've got Jalen Ramsey, who kind of ranges all over and does well with that. You have Leonard Floyd, who's athletic and rangy. And then you have Bobby Wagner and Jones, who are both, you know, Bobby Wagner, not quite as much, but both are good sideline to sideline linebackers. And as we've learned with Lamar Jackson, hard-hitting safeties are actually the most important part of stopping these running quarterbacks today. And the Rams go three deep with Scott, Rapp, and Fuller. And they like to get safeties on the field as it is. So frankly, I I just don't, I don't think the matchup's good. I don't think the Bills are on the Rams level. I think the Rams are going to LA for opening night, the Super Bowl champions. LA, like LA gets a lot of shit for not being a great sports town and for the fans not on. LA gets a really bad rap for being a bad sports town and not having a good home field advantage. Um, That's super true of the Chargers. It's less true of the Rams. And I think that, dude, it's a Thursday after Labor Day weekend. People got school and work the next day. It's across the fucking country. I've made that flight many, 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 many times. It's not pleasant. I don't see a lot of Bills fans making that that hajj down to LA for one night. If this was a Sunday game, totally. Even a Monday game, maybe you take a three-day weekend. But everybody just got back to work in school as it is. Like school has just started. So if you have kids, if you have a job that you actually have to go to, this is not practical or feasible. And Bills fans are blue collar. So I think that the Rams will have as good a home field advantages they ever have for this game yeah i mean the rams are coming off the super bowl like they just won the super bowl and it's uh opening night against another super bowl favorite if they're ever going to be excited for a game it's going to be now yep i think the bills will still show up because that fan base is that good uh and buffalo people they don't all necessarily stay in buffalo same reason that the packers travel well and the steelers travel well and the browns (laughs) travel well it's because nobody's stays there they all leave dying to leave (laughs) so they already live in la um and so i think that's why we could still see a good showing from bills fans uh but i don't think it's gonna you know flip the home field advantage or anything for them and you kind of laid it out we like the rams in a lot of spots here the only way this really goes bad for us is if josh allen goes nuclear which is possible but But it's also possible matt stafford goes nuclear which he did more often last year (laughs) 
Yeah. And the Rams are catching points at home. Like they're getting points in a home game after winning the Super Bowl and arguably getting better. Yeah. We did, we did a lot of analysis to come back to a very simple take. I think the entire room is going to outthink this. I think every, every quote unquote sharp out there is going to go contrarian and be like, this is why the Bills are the right pick. Fade the Super Bowl favorite. And we'll laugh while we cash our tickets. So. Make it a bet. Make it a pod pick. We're going to toss a unit on the Rams. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm taking this money line. Like Absolutely. for the contest, we can't. But for, for personal use, money line. Yeah, you can you can double dip on this one if you want. It's a, It should be a good one to start the year off. You know, it's a Thursday night game. Get your cash rolling well. But I think that wraps us up on Thursday night, and we can jump into Sunday. All right, who do we got first? All right, so to kick off Sunday, we have the Baltimore Ravens going to play the New York Jets. The Jets are plus seven. All right. So this is a sad. Um, This game is really simple. I'm not going to get into it too much. We don't need to give you a breakdown on either team. Uh, The Jets kind of suck a lot. Uh, They're poorly coached and terribly quarterbacked. The Ravens are still exactly what the Ravens always have been, uh, except now they're healthy again. The Ravens beat up on bad teams. I don't want to. I don't want to lay a touchdown week one because crazy shit happens in week one but this is an awesome teaser leg this is i have it money line parlayed in a couple spots where i want a better line i mean don't over, be very careful not to over leverage yourself but yeah this is gold you know I, I love this game as well for an anchor for something the the number itself is too big to use just i don't want to lay a touchdown like you said in week one but tie this into anything i mean i i have it a couple ways as well using it to tease down to like minus three and then tie it in uh just to get value on it because the the ravens are going to win this game probably by a decent amount if i had balls i would lay the money or lay the number because this is what the ravens do they kick the shit out of bad teams they're they win against decent teams and they lose against good teams yeah like if this was a week where we didn't have other games we'd like this would be a game that i'd probably be like all right i don't feel great about this one because it's such a big number but the matchup and everything behind it says that this should work so we can use it oh dude do do you know what we have here do do you know what this is this is a just drop dead leg. I love when I get to use my sound clips. <laughs> it's uh, there's a light that goes on in your eyes as I see you tab over to the soundboard. Yes, sir. And special. All right. We got our, I mean, that's that's all there is to say about it. Toss it in in teasers. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, we don't we don't yeah, really no. need to do more analysis on that game. No. If if anyone's gonna fight us on the the statement that the Ravens should beat the Jets by a bit, they they can tweet at us. All right. Next up on Sunday, we have the Cleveland Browns going to play the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are minus two and a half. This is a juicy one (laughs) for a lot of reasons. Oh, people have been waiting for this one. How do you guys think a couple of Baker sexuals are going to pick? I mean, like we've been waiting a long fucking time for this game, dude. It feels like years. Yeah, this is it's kind of crazy that it worked out like this. Like it's a little bit of like, oh, the the NFL's rigging stuff. NFL rigged. All of the offseason, you know, all the offseason drama that went on between the Browns and Baker and how he left and was ousted from there. And now they get to play each other week one. It's crazy. The only way it could be more storybook is if they were playing in Cleveland. But yeah, that would be a little better. Yeah, because the the fan reception to him would be wild. 
because you know it would be split of people like welcoming him and then people also like fuck you because they've gotten so into like baker was the problem but we don't get that dude i'm so fucking excited um <laughs> like actually it's just okay we finally we could not have more perfectly leveraged our so we have this opinion that baker mayfield is a much better quarterback than the market realizes and we also have a theory that the browns were given a lot of credit as a roster and coaching staff for some things that baker did and they were given none of the blame for their uh, let's call it what it is consistent failures and all that was heaped upon baker so we just think that that was misappropriated we believe that basically we believe and no one's paying attention and therefore we have a fucking we have a fucking angle on this game uh a big fucking angle this is my biggest bet game of the week so far i think it, it's it's tied with is one it really? of the game it's tied with one of the game we'll get to i also got it at uh panthers money line plus 110 earlier in the summer when i guess people weren't sure deshaun watson was going to be suspended i don't fucking know how that works like, i don't know why the yeah, line it's moved. strange like, i'm pretty sure knew. this game opened yeah i'm pretty sure this game opened at cleveland like minus one over three. the summer it was minus was it three. really once upon a time it was oh minus three and i didn't take it because they hadn't gotten baker yet once the panthers got baker it shot down to minus two and a half i hit that bitch uh and then it slowly just trickled and then when watson was ruled out for 11 games we'll, we'll leave that right there uh it moved from uh about pickham or browns minus one through pickham up to panthers minus one and it's trickled up to minus two i think it's touched minus three at one point so a lot of fucking movement and i don't think it's enough should we start with baker or finish with baker let's finish with baker because for the most part we know what we're going to talk about there surprise surprise we think the motherfucker's good so let's talk about brown's offense or what's left of it versus panthers defense yeah yeah let's do that okay we'll start with the line play because that's where everything begins and it's i think that that's the uh the only area where the browns have a significant advantage don't let departures or injuries fool you the browns offensive line is still everybody as good as it was yeah i mean their line is incredibly good yeah they have some problems with injury but i don't think they but when they're healthy they're one of the best of the Oh, I mean, yeah, like just for this, like they lost J.C. Well, Treader and they lost. That's, it, it, as far as run game goes. Who who was the backup? Uh, was it Nick Easton, the center? Who was the center that was supposed to start this year instead of J.C. Treader? Oh, Nick Harris. Nick Harris. Easton is the Saints. I know the guys. I'm just, I'm becoming Michael Lombardi with my fucking name recall. Can you, I'm getting older. Yeah, you're just getting old, man. Yeah, I, got, I found a gray hair in the shower the other day. I'm kidding, I didn't. Um and I never fucking will. Uh, so they're, they're down to Ethan Pochich, their third center option, basically. Uh, but, dude, I think Ethan Pochich is really good. And it's just another fucking example of Bill Callahan knowing how offensive line works. Because Pochich was a center in college at LSU. He was really good. He looked like a bona fide starter. He gets drafted by the Seahawks. They played him at guard. Russell Wilson decided that he was hungry for some sacks and he ate him like Lunchables for five years. Everybody thought Pochich didn't have it. Browns bring him in for a fucking reason and just watch he'll be a top flight center this year and somebody will pay him starter money next uh and, and jedrick wills is still perfectly average also go ahead i was just gonna say poachage he's in between wyatt teller and joel batonio in a bill callahan uh coached offensive line room like yep. he has every help that he could have and kind of just has to run around in what is largely zone blocking 
with incredibly talented people on either side of him, he should be fine. Yeah, I agree. I'm not worried about him at all. In fact, I'm actually, I've got high hopes for him. Uh, But yeah, so you already mentioned Batonio and Teller. They're elite, like elite elite, probably the best guard duo in the NFL. And by probably, I mean, almost certainly. It is. It's the best guard duo in the NFL. You can make a claim for either of them as the best at their position. I don't think they are, but they're they're in the conversation and they're on the same team. It's incredible. So they're both really great. And the tackles are a little overrated, but they're both really good. So Jedrick Wills is a perfectly average tackle. Like he's a solid B left tackle. And Jack Conklin is probably a B plus right tackle. But I'd I'd agree with both of those evaluations. But the fact that they're in such an advantageous scheme and everything in between them is so locked up, like this is still a really good offensive line. On the other side, I don't actually like any of the pieces of the Panthers defensive line personally, but I do think that they're really good for stopping the run. Like Derek Brown can't do shit, but plug up the middle. Right. And if all he does is occupy Betonio and or Teller, he's done a really, really valuable thing for them. So uh, Matt Ioannidis is, is a fine, honestly, a solid three tech. Again, all, all he has to do is occupy Betonio or Teller in the run game. And I think he is more than qualified to do that. Brian Burns, not good against the run, but a very good pass rusher. Yitor Grossmatos, exclusively good against the run because he's a freak athlete that does not know how to play football. Guess where he went to college? It's Penn State because that's what they do. They turn out freak athletes that don't know how to play football. I love when places recruit and just don't coach at all. James Franklin, baby. Fucking dumb piece of shit. Um, so I, I think that this defensive line will not get pressure on Jacoby Brissett. I, I don't think they'll get pressure on him at all, but I do think that they will at least plug up the line in the run game, allowing Shaq Thompson, who's awesome, and Jeremy Chin, who is awesome at linebacker, to just clean up the run. And does that mean that Nick Chubb gets stifled for nothing? Of course not. It's Nick Chubb. But I, you know, I think if you can hold him to like four and a half yards of carry, you win this game. And you're going yeah, to be able I mean, to stack I the think- box. I think they'll be able to get a little bit of pressure just because Jed Wills is good for a couple of fuck ups every game. And that's just kind of his thing where he's generally pretty good, but like he's going to false start once or twice and he's going to get just kind of fooled by some simple move once. So I think there will be, there will be some avenue for pressure, but it's definitely not going to be a part of the Panthers or it shouldn't be a part of their game plan. I do agree that they're just going to have to try and stifle the run because the Browns are not going to worry about passing too much. They're especially with Jacoby. Like, I don't think they're going to pass a ton with Deshaun. Like they'll pass, but it, they're not going to be, you know, it's still Kevin Stefanski. They're going to be run. They're going to be a run team and that's going to be how they win games. It's going to be how they call their games to start to end in any important situation they're probably going to run the ball yeah no they're going to i mean even even last year even two years ago they run the ball as much or more than they pass that's how they are i only expect that to be exacerbated under Brissett. so and and we'll talk a little scheme here matt rule is a drooling idiot quite literally google it he drools on his bib but he is really adept at stuffing the run he likes to play five across defensive lines with a nose tackle and two three techs um you do that with a fast linebacker hybrid like Jeremy Chin and a, another fast linebacker hybrid in Shaq Thompson, you're set up for success against the run game. And then I think they're going to be able to do that because, you know, agnostic of Jacoby Brissett being not good. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to say that. He's just not good. <clears throat> 
Aside from that, I actually really like the Panthers cornerbacks. CJ Henderson was awesome at Florida. I don't give a fuck what happened at Jacksonville. I don't give a fuck what Urban Meyer says. Frankly, if Urban Meyer says a thing about football, probably bet your house on the opposite thing. JC Horn is one of my favorite corners that's come out of the draft since I've been doing this. He reminds me a lot of a young Kyle Fuller. Maybe not as much speed, but so physical, such good ball skills, really good agility. He was my cornerback one over Eric Stokes last year. And I love me some Eric Stokes. So you've got those two dudes who are young, athletic, really good corners. And you got Dante Jackson, who sucks. His ball skills, ugh, well, terrible. But at least he's very fast. So you can't you can't get over the top of him. And that'll at the least def, you know, uh, deter, not defer. It'll deter any quarterback from throwing deep on him, especially a guy that's as reticent as Jacoby Brissett. So I don't, I don't think that this shitty Browns wide receiving core of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be able to do anything. And I certainly don't like Anthony Schwartz is the slowest track guy of all time. The Browns seem intent upon getting him looks. Dante Jackson also, like Anthony Schwartz, sucks at football, but also like Anthony Schwartz is super fast, except the difference is it actually shows up on football fields for Dante Jackson. Just in the passing game, I don't think the Browns have anywhere to go. And I don't think that they have a good passing game coordinator in Stefanski and their quarterback, Brissett, sucks. We saw it with the Colts. We saw it with the Dolphins. The dude couldn't supplant Tua. That says a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I I don't think they're going to have, it's going to be an issue the entire season. It's been an issue under Kevin Stefanski of they struggle to pass the ball with, because they always have bad wide receivers and they're relatively simple concepts that are based in like a couple of things. You know, it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of rolling out. I know that was some of Baker, but that's a lot of Stefanski. He likes the movement. That's a lot of Stefanski. He did that shit with Kirk Cousins. It ain't stopping because Baker's gone. He likes the movement. He, He likes opening up stuff like that and then it's largely short and intermediate stuff yeah it's a very limited small playbook relative to other offenses in the nfl and frankly it just doesn't match up very well at all i don't like it yeah so i i do think the browns will be able to have some success running the ball because i mean that's what their offense is built around they've got a good very good offensive line. They have very good running backs. They're very deep at running back, but you can't just run the ball anymore, well, especially, especially yes. if you give up points, which now it comes to, do you think the Browns will give up points against the Panthers? So my initial thought is, boy, do I, but then I am forced to confront the crushing reality that is Ben McAdoo running this offense for the Panthers. Um, bet the under, folks. Because <laughs> these teams are both going to want to run the ball, churn clock, and not score as many points as they probably could or should. Yes, that's just how they both work. Um, that said, I think the Carolina. I also think offense, we're going to see a million penalties that will slow this game down like crazy. Yeah, I will say one thing. Last year, last year, and this, this is one thing on the previous topic. Last year, despite not having great personnel, the Panthers still ranked above average, one of the best units at stopping the run in the NFL, and they've only gotten a little bit more mature because it was a very very young defensive line they've only gotten a little bit more mature and they only have more to play for this year so i don't and they don't have to worry about the passing game very much that's true not only because their corners are much better now they have jc horn back and cj henderson is starting but they're playing the browns who have no quarterback and a scaredy cat offensive coordinator 
But anyway, back to Panthers offense. The strength of the Browns' entire team might be the secondary. Uh, Not the secondary, just the cornerbacks. Because Greedy Williams is the perfect corner to stop a dude like Robbie Anderson or a DK Metcalf. You know, one of these dudes who is a vertical threat that's long. Um, Greedy Williams is long and just as fast as all those vertical dudes. So he's, you don't want Greedy Williams trying to play press against somebody who's shifty, but as long as he's going against somebody like Robbie Anderson in particular, I think he is set up to succeed. On the other end, you've got Denzel Ward, who is awesome if diminutive, but I think that he'll match up pretty well against DJ Moore because DJ Moore's game is based upon speed and quickness and just being a really good route runner. And Denzel Ward is, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say he does match up really well because DJ Moore is kind of your short area. He's your quickness guy. He's a guy that is a yak dude because he's really elusive. And he, I mean, he is very strong as well, which I think is the only place where he kind of will be able to maybe bully Denzel a little bit because Denzel is small. He And but, DJ, DJ Moore is sneaky six foot tall. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a running back build. So I think that's his area for hope. But for the most part, Denzel Ward is a really good corner and he matches up well because he's quick. He sticks on guys really well, especially the ones that aren't huge. Yeah. And then the Panthers are going to have probably Hollywood Higgins in the slot. I think LaVisca Chenault will get snaps. He'll get touches, but I don't think that he'll be starting in the slot so quickly after being acquired. Uh, It doesn't matter because Greg Newsom is better than whoever it is. Uh, I don't think Newsom is particularly adept at sliding into the slot. Like, I don't think that's what he's best at. Um, I just don't think that he breaks down quick enough on change of direction routes like slants and ins and outs, but he's really good in zone and he's really good in man. He's got good athleticism and good length. He's a legitimate, good, like a a good cornerback too already in this league. And he's only going to get better. The passing offense is going to be up against a wall against the corners, but there's reason for hope if you're a Panthers fan, because let me introduce you to the Browns safeties. (laughs) Dare I say the worst? They're pretty bad, especially for what you kind of want in today's NFL of you want guys that are more rangy pass coverage dudes. And the Browns have two like basically linebacker safety hybrids playing, (laughs) playing in the back. Grant Delpit is almost identical to Kyle Hamilton. Like they're the, I just realized a couple days ago, but they're like the same fucking thing. They're long and they're strong, and they're not going to get the friction on in the passing game. They're linebackers who don't run well enough to cover, and they got a ton of hype in college because stuffing the run matters more. They make cool big hits. They had a couple cool, interesting-looking interceptions, but they can't fucking cover, and nobody cares. Nobody ever pays attention to safeties. No one is paying attention. Per usual, it just comes down to, did you actually watch them play football? Most people, no. Us, yes. Uh, Grant Delpit, abysmal. And they're going to try to play him over the top. He's not going to be a box safety. They're going to use him in coverage, in like cover two, cover three shells. Yeah, they're going to, I mean, they're going to ask him to do everything. And that's a part of the Browns defense. And it's a little bit why they have these type of safeties is they ask them to play everywhere. They want to be able to use their safeties in the box. Uh, They want to be able to use them playing center field. They want to use them covering receivers. And, you know, they kind of got guys that were based in versatility, but they ended up getting guys that can't actually do any of it well. Uh, And they're especially weak in the part that matters, which is coverage. Yeah. Like the, 
we can get into John Johnson, who's kind of the same thing as Delpit, just a little bit better. In theory, better. And like he was a lot better with the Rams, but it turns out that like being really smart only makes up for being, like you can only make up for being totally unathletic by being really smart if the scheme is good and you are good at the scheme. And in this cover three scheme that they play, he's just not fast enough. And he wasn't familiar enough. He was making mental mistakes. Uh, maybe he gets, I mean, he got better as the season went on. So maybe that improves and this year he'll be back to what he was, but he still can't run with dudes. Yeah. And it's still like the defense is not going to change and be more complex. They're going to run the same type of stuff, which is yeah. pretty base cover three. They and, play and off really deep cushions. You were about to say so yeah. deep. They, they play off. They kind of just try and keep everything in front of them, but they don't have the safeties to do it. And so that's all. I mean, it happened a lot last year. It's happened with Steve Wilkes. It's people just get behind them because the safeties are kind of shitty or especially in coverage that if the corners aren't able to do it, then they're screwed. Um, How much that will happen this week? I don't know. And that's kind of my worry. I'm not as gung ho on the, on this bet because of that is that the Browns do have really good corners and we can get into this in a minute, but they're going to be able to get pressure as well. So I don't know how much time they're going to have to be able to capitalize on the weak safety play in the past game. Okay. You're right. And I don't think the safeties will actually come into play that much. I think, I mean, the safeties are going to have to, at some point account for uh, Tommy Tremble, who the Panthers really love as their tight end. And he's fine. I, I like his traits actually not a lot, but plenty. And I think that having an, a competent quarterback will, uh, we will see his production flourish. I, I think Tommy Tremble probably would be the best tight end on the Browns. If he joined the team tomorrow. Really? You know, uh, we disagree on the Njoku grading. So yeah. Like I value people who can catch the ball when it's thrown to them and you clearly ignore it. And it's so overblown. Um, <laughs> no, I know mm-hmm. it, the drops aren't as bad as I imagine them, but they are bad. Um, they used to be a lot worse. It used to be. Do you realize how hurt you sound? Like you just sound like a battered man. I am. She only. I, I, had, me I went to the gas day. station the other day, and the the guy behind the uh, the cashier, he was talking about football starting, and he was like, "I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm real excited." He goes, "Who's your team?" And I just it took me a second, and I was like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, welcome so yeah, to my I, daily struggle online. I I am a battered man. Uh, Tommy yeah. Tremble, though, he's solid. He's young, too. He's got room to get better. Yeah, and he can stretch the field a little bit, but safeties don't matter. What everybody in Carolina is going to be focusing on, step one, is, fuck, how do we do, deal with the best edge duo in the NFL? Because Miles yeah. Garrett is a top three defensive end, and Jadevian Clowney is a top ten defensive end. Yeah, we talked about the safeties being possibly the worst pairing of starters in the league. Uh, these edges are probably the best pairing of starters in the league. Well, the Miles Garrett's are- probably a little overrated, but the guy is incredibly good and can wreck a play at any moment. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally certain that Miles Garrett is overrated, and I still can't see a world in which he's not a top three defensive end. Like, he's really yeah. fucking good. Yes. And then Clowney, you know, he he's not as quick and athletic as athletic as he used to be he doesn't really have much bend anymore but he's a monster in the run game he consistently pushes the pocket and he had some troubles with discipline like his run lane or his lane discipline last year but he cleaned that up as the year went on and was just kind of like a smart solid player on top of being really talented yeah 
so they have two elite edge threats. They're going to be able to get after the Panthers offensive line. I think there's a true irony that Jadevian Clowney just became this. He had Jadevian Clowney and Mario Williams had the exact same career path after being drafted first overall by the Texans. Like they were both freak fucking athletes who came into the Texans first overall. And they kind of disappointed and everybody was like, I don't know, the, stat, the sacks aren't there. And then they blossomed a little bit. They got healthy. They started playing well. And everybody's like, yeah, you know what? Nobody really talks about it, but those guys are really good. And now they're like Clowney's lost a step. He's not the freak athlete anymore, but he's still a really good athlete and he's smart and knows how to play. Fun little tangent. Um, but so, yeah, like the, the offensive line for Carolina is decent. It is a lot better than people think. Like Taylor Moten is a legitimately really good right tackle. And well, Austin Corbett is certainly a B2B plus guard. At center, it's it actually, it sounds like Bradley Bozeman's going to be ready to go. And if so, it's a B2B minus center. That's a yeah, fine that helps. center. I like Brady Christensen at left guard. I think he'll be good one day, but it, it hasn't come yet. So like, fine, he's not good. That's a C player. And then Iki Aquanu at left tackle, I think is a guard long-term. And I think the Miles Garrett might kill him. Yeah, I'm not super, I don't feel good about that matchup. I think everywhere else on the line, they should actually be solid because Very. their weaknesses are in the interior line, and that's the Browns have a terrible interior D-line. Taylor Moten will do pretty well against Clowney. Um, totally. I think they, they match up well for Moten's side, but Icky is going to be in a world of hurt. In for a rough first day because Miles is just speed and power, and, and he's going to overwhelm the shit out of him. Well, and it's, it's unfortunate that the Panthers are set up the way they are because they've got a veteran, really good right tackle and a veteran good right guard on one side. And then on the left side, they're like, yeah, hey, we got this athlete that doesn't know how to fucking play tackle in Icky. And we got this athlete who doesn't fucking know how to play guard in Christensen. Where do you think the Browns are going to line Miles Garrett up? Because you can't even double team him with those dudes. They're too fucking green. He's going to eat him anyway. And I think the Panthers will know that if they know a goddamn thing about football. So what's the first thing that's going to come out of Ben McAdoo's mouth? The same fucking shit he did with the Giants for three years. We're getting that ball out of Baker's hands. Short passes against off coverage, against a good defensive line. Get the ball into DJ Moore's hands. He's electric after the catch. Get the ball into Christian McCaffrey's hands. He's electric after the catch. Get the ball into uh, Robbie Anderson's hands. If he can catch, he's very fast. Get the ball into LaVisca Chenault's hands. He's electric after the catch. That is literally the whole fucking game plan. And it suits them. It's almost as if the Browns' strengths on defense force the Panthers to play a style that will help them in this particular matchup and that the Panthers are well-equipped to do. So I foresee Baker having like a a 6.8 yards per attempt day, like 20 passes for like 180 to 250 yards, two touchdowns and a win like 24 to 17. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it might come down to, and like, honestly, I think the Browns have the matchup advantages in a lot of ways, I think, but they're going to kind of screw themselves because of how they deploy their talent. And I agree with you that they're going to force the Panthers to play in like the best way for them. And like, I've seen it a, a lot. The Browns, they refuse to come out of off coverage. They play incredibly soft. Yep. They're going to rush their four, not blitz a ton. And they give up a ton of really soft stuff. And they do they 
play that bend don't break. So that soft defense is going to give the Panthers a lot of opportunity to just get the ball in those playmakers' hands. That's their opportunity and their avenue for success is they have to get the ball out quick and let DJ Moore work, let McCaffrey work, and kind of neutralize that pass rush. I think that game game plan could work for them because the safeties are the ones that are going to have to come up and make a lot of those plays. The linebackers are the ones that are going to have to come up and make a lot of those plays. And they're not really good outside of Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa, who he's really good. He's, he's great. He's going to be the one that's flying around. But Anthony Walker's bad. Delpit and Johnson are fine, but they're not particularly good at that. So it should give them a lot of opportunities to make plays happen. But I don't know if it's going to be enough. And I feel like it might come down to Kevin Stefanski doing classic Kevin Stefanski stuff and kind of losing the game for the Browns, which I think is really possible. But I struggle to like bet on that. So I agree with like, I, I think it needs to be said if a different defensive coordinator could very easily shut down this Panthers team using the Browns cornerbacks and defensive ends. But we have seen for two fucking years that no matter how desperately the game plan calls for the Browns to play press coverage, they will not do it. They will always give a 10 yard, literally a 10 yard cushion. It's just how they believe in playing defense. So you like the Browns want the Panthers to hit quick, short passes. And if that's going to be the case, I don't, I don't, the Browns are going to seed points. Like they are giving the Panthers a certain amount of points just by playing that way. As long as Baker plays smart, it's, it's a go. Additionally, the Browns are inviting teams to run the ball against them with their terrible defensive tackles and their skeleton front seven. And the Panthers are going to run the ball against them and do it well with Christian McCaffrey. So it's not that the Browns aren't talented enough to win. It's that they're going to be asked to do things that are disadvantageous to them and they have no quarterback at all. Yeah. I think the the edge goes to the Browns a little bit in the running game. I think they'll be able to like amass more rushing yards, have a bigger impact in the run game than the Panthers offense will in the run game. But the Panthers should be able to overcome that in their pass game because I don't think the Browns are going to have anything of note in the pass game. I think it's going to be like not necessarily a negative, but it's not going to do anything for them. It's not going to bail them out of any situations. Well, in order to win games, the Browns rely on having a massive advantage coming from their running game. And in this particular game, I think their advantage will be slim. I I think it'll exist, but I think it'll be extremely small. And just that alone should conceptually be enough to put somebody on the Panthers. So after after going through, it's it's definitely a pod pick. But it's not going to be our best bet. Uh, I think we'll save that for the, one of the other pod picks that I have in mind. Uh, just because the Browns roster is really good in a lot of really important places. Even if they use it wrong, the Panthers can't cakewalk to a win. Yeah, I, I, I'll i be honest. This one, I'm not as high on as you are, especially since we now have to go to, what, minus two and a half? But yeah. you, you lay out a good plan. I think, you know, knowing what we do about the Browns and the way they play, it lends a little bit to the Panthers having an advantage. I, I am also concerned about, I think Baker, it's like a 60% chance he takes all of the stuff from the offseason. He goes out and is, you know, Oklahoma Baker chip on his shoulder, the guy you always read about. But then there's also the chance that he comes out and is just like way too hyped up and throws three picks in the first half. I don't even think they'll give him the opportunity. They're not going to be throwing the ball around. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm worried because that did happen with Baker in previous situations. 
like week one's big games. He's done it from time to time. Last time he played a week one, he went toe to toe. Honestly, he dominated the Chiefs and, and Kevin Stefanski handed the game away. He did. The year before that, he threw every pick he could against the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the Baker Mayfield story. It's a one of highs and lows at this point. So that's where I do worry a little bit. But overall, I mean, I kind of also just want this one to be right. <laughs> So that's kind of where you push me over the top, your confidence. And I I would personally be happy if it turned out like that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, let's check the uh, let's check the algorithm real quick for a slightly more objective right. view. Well, what's Agnostic. the almighty algorithm say? The algorithm says that this line should be Panthers minus five. Really? Yes. Interesting. Probably just because Jacoby Brissett is so much worse than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's a good, And that's quarterbacking good. is very heavily weighted in the algorithm. All right. Well, it, it's a pod pick. We're rolling with it. I am more scared than Joe is, but <laughs> hey, that's the fun. All right, let's move on. Next, we have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus eight. So this is very similar to the Ravens in that, like, you can't you can't lay eight week one, especially on the road. But at the same time, I don't want to make this a drop dead leg just because the Texans are frisky and the Colts have a new quarterback and shit could just go haywire. We've seen it with Jacksonville beating the Colts last year. I just it feels too iffy. There's too much too many parts in the air. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it. It's it's just a prohibitive number in week one. Yeah, I I like the Colts moving forward. We've talked about them. We talked about them last week as a team that we're higher on, a little bit higher on than the public is. The Texans are bad. They're they have a really horrible coach. The roster doesn't have much talent. It's going to be a rough year for them. I yeah. I probably expect the Colts to win by more than a touchdown. But plus eight in week one or minus eight in week one. It's not really a number I'm interested in playing, especially when we have games that we like more. Exactly. And another thing to note is that both of these teams want to run the ball a lot, which means you'll get fewer possession, fewer possessions. The game will go faster. That means less scoring by its own nature. It means a closer game, means laying eight points is prohibitive, can't do it. Colts minus one in a teaser. Take a look at that. But still feels suspect. I Maybe I've just been scarred by the Colts in the past, but you know what? Honestly, I think they should be a drop dead leg because Frank Reich's a great offensive coach with time to game plan, and Matt Ryan is at least consistent. Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely in very good leg category. I don't think they're quite the Ravens level. No, the, the Ravens are just so slam dunk. But they're, they're, they're a game that I would feel really confident about using it like minus three or something. We'll, we'll jot that down. We'll think about Indy as a leg. Sorry, Davis Mills. Yeah, it's going to be another rough one. All right, well, let's move on. Next, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play at the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are... It's minus three. Minus three. This is actionable, but I'm being pointed in two opposite directions here. Because I think that the Jaguars are going to have a massive upgrade in that Urban Meyer is no longer there. Like, like, okay, yeah, Urban Meyer's a dickhead, yada, yada, yada. More importantly, Urban Meyer was terrible schematically, and he has been for a long time. There's a reason Ohio State got better when he left. Urban Meyer is terrible at calling an offense, designing an offense, etc. And we went over that painstakingly last year. Doug Peterson's not a genius, but he is so much better. Yeah, he is. We've talked about a little bit of he's going to run a professional organization. 
Like he's not going to set the world on fire. He's not really an X's and O's guy. He's not going to instill some scheme that is going to take the team to the next level and unlock a bunch of guys, but they're going to be a professional football team that like shows up on time and doesn't have players suing them. And even beyond all of the, like the emotions attached to urban Meyer sucking, like Doug Peterson's not an X's and O guy. And he's almost certainly still better at X's and O's than (laughs) urban Meyer. Like it it will be average and in so much better than what they had last year. Yes. Because it was a pretty impressive list of bad coaches on that staff last year just to like help urban Meyer be incompetent. Mm -hmm. And you know, Doug Peterson isn't necessarily the best at picking assistants, but again, professional organization. He picked Reich. He did, but that was kind of his only one. Cause then the the couple of guys he tried to pick after that in Philly were not good. Mike bro needs to stick to calling red zone offenses in new England. Um, But yeah, so they have a massive upgrade at coach. And then I think Trevor Lawrence, I don't think that his performance last year was as bad as the statistics paint it. Um, I think he was really just handed a shit fucking opportunity and shockingly it didn't go very well. I think that Trevor Lawrence will be much better this year. I agree with you. They've added a lot of talent around him. I like Evan Ingram at tight end. I like Christian Kirk in the slot. I love Brandon Sheriff at guard, but they still kind of suck. Like they have a bad, they have a huge question mark. I don't know what this Fortner guy is at center at all. I don't like either of their tackles. I don't like their left guard and I don't like either of their ex receivers. So like, what the fuck are you? Yeah. I mean, they're still not good. Like they're very early in. Yeah. The real, the rebuild. Well, the reason this is actionable though, is because like the Redskins defense sucks. I, I know that it was supposed to be really good a couple of years ago, but tell me where the talent is. Like, I like, I like sweat. Montez sweat is a good end. And I love both of their defensive tackles. Like the Alabama boys are awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when Chase Young's there, the defensive line is really strong. And you got bad safeties and bad linebackers and they run a vanilla, like base too high scheme, like a, a base four, three, two high scheme. So I don't know who the fuck they think they're stopping. The defense is going to be more of what we saw last year, which is kind of unimpressive. So it's kind of a wash of just like, I see no edge. I see an offense that's a little underrated and a defense that's a little overrated, but you adjust them back to norm and it's, it's a wash. I don't think anybody's better than the other on that side of the ball. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be pretty not not exciting football. On the other side, Washington does have elite receivers. The, you're right. The, the whole wide receiver room is pretty awesome. And then the offensive line for Washington is fine. You know, there's no real holes. Logan Thomas is a yeah. good tight end. Like, yeah, I mean, like it, it, it just comes down to Wentz. It really does. But you're right. It comes down to Wentz. Like it's. Can he be the early Eagles MVP caliber Wentz, or is he going to be the late Eagles and Indy Wentz where he could throw a pick at any moment and doesn't really do anything for your offense? Yeah, it comes. The offense comes down to Wentz, but also even if Wentz plays well, it's still Scott Turner running it. It's a run first, very cowardly offense that is not going to push the ball. It's not going to be aggressive. So like there's a cap, even if Wentz is good there, it's not going to be an explosive offense. And then on defense, I actually kind of like the pieces that the Jaguars are going to roll out. So there's a lot of pieces on that defense to counteract this Washington offense and Washington's offense is going to hinder itself a little bit just on the coaching side, like we talked about with Cleveland. So while this is an actionable line at minus three, if we believed more fervently in Wentz, we would, I think that we could take Washington minus three as a good bet. 
but as it stands, I'm just too scared. Yeah, same. I don't want to bet on Wentz on a new team, on another new team early on in the season with a coach that I don't like or an offensive coach I don't like. Again, it it is Jacksonville, who is still a bad team as well, but they've had so many draft picks. (laughs) Yeah, they're just loaded with talent by default. (laughs) I'm not dying to bet on either of these teams, and although it's actionable, I'm okay with just punting on it this week and seeing what they look like as the season moves on. Yeah, I would like to. There's a lot of unknowns in this game. There are too many variables that I'm just not certain enough about, and I'm fine with letting this one go. But I'll be I'll be excited to study the film Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. It'll be it'll be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, you'll learn a lot. But we can move on. The New England Patriots go to play the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus three. So Dolphins minus three. This one, this one's pretty juicy. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier that we were gonna have a best bet that's coming up later. This is it. I'm I'm stoked. I actually love this bet. This is another one where I'm not as high as you are, but the more we talk about it, the more you're getting me to kind of buy in. But yeah, let's go ahead and just start talking about you want to talk about rosters first. You want to do coaching first. Okay, so we actually I'm going to be totally honest with our audience right here. We, We recorded right before our last pod. We recorded a clip of me explaining to Alex why I love this bet. And I may or may not just use that fucking clip to explain the macro view. Okay, Miami over New England. Man, I just don't want to bet on Miami. Okay, I don't either. I'm very afraid of them. But if you walk through it, all of the things that are scaring me and probably are also scaring you about Miami, the Patriots have the same fucking thing that should scare you, but worse. So like, okay, number one scary thing about Miami. Tua is fucking terrible, right? Right. Is Mac Jones, Mac Jones is better, but is he significantly better? No, he's just like the slightly evolved version of Tua. But like not the final evolution. It's like, it's like no. Tua is Caterpie and Mac Jones is Metapod. Both suck. Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, normally they go like, oh, this is version 2.0. Mac Jones is not Tua 2.0. He's like Tua 1.1. Yeah, like they edited some of the typos and they were like, this is better now, right? It's like, no, it's still illegible because it's not proper English. Yeah, like this is this is an update they send you, not like a whole new product. So they both suck at quarterback. A lot. And then like Mike McDaniel, like, oh, he's a new coach. Like, who knows? He's never really called plays. The whole head coach gig might be too much for him, right? Well, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots is Matt fucking Patricia. And to the extent that it isn't, it's Joe Judge. And neither of them has called plays. And neither of them is even sure which one will be calling plays. And Mike McDaniel could suck. He This could be too much for him. But we know through the grapevine that he's a really smart dude, right? And he's been a part of really productive offenses and like apparently a, a big part. We know for a fact that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are fucking really stupid and really bad at their areas of expertise. And now they're doing a new thing. So I think worst case scenario, it's fucking flatline on coaching. Like if if Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are as good as they can hope to be and Mike McDaniel is an utter disappointment, we're looking at an even coaching advantage. All right. My my greater concern about the coaching is that Bill is not the genius everyone makes him out to be. You know, he he but he develops good defenses often and he's good at keying in on your weaknesses and your strengths. And I feel like they're just going to be able to attack the shit out of Tua. Now you say that. And typically you're right. 
But do you know who's starting at cornerback for the Patriots? It's not good. I don't know. It's, which It's Jalen to... Mills as cornerback one on Tyreek Hill. It's not good. They just cut Terrence Mitchell, who was their CB2. It is now going to be either rookie Jack Jones out of Arizona State. I'll save you the, the film study. He's not good, and he's not athletic. He's got good ball skills, but no. And then it could be Jonathan Jones will play in the slot. They, they suck. They really fucking suck. The sec it's pro it is no, it is without a doubt the worst cornerback group in the NFL. One of the worst I've ever heard of. And then they have Devin McCourty's 35 year old ass playing free safety. Kyle Duggar's 27 year old ass fumbling around at strong safety, not knowing how to cover people. And their starting edge rushers will be Josh Uche, who is 5'11, and Matt Judon, who is Matt Judon. Their starting linebacker will be Mac Wilson. And they're excited about it because he's so much better than their other linebackers. Okay, yeah. So maybe maybe that defense is so toothless that there's not much game planning Bill can do. And that's to the extent that Bill can do anything. I'm gonna assume as we I don't wanna like give too much credence to like reports out of camp, but the reports out of camp are that like the Patriots legitimately can't function. They can't run a play. Everything is either completely helter-skelter coached or just completely ineffective. Like apparently the Raiders coaches were laughing after practices because the Patriots were so dysfunctional that they couldn't even get through a joint practice. Like it wasn't worth the Raiders time. That's pretty funny, honestly, it, just because it's McDaniels. Exactly. Looking and like, at like his old team, just like, uh, look what happens when I leave. Yeah, dude. And like this, this really hodgepodge shitty offense, they're going to be going up against Xavier Howard and Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. And Byron Jones got hurt, but still there, at least under Brian Flores, they were constantly investing in cornerbacks. They will have somebody, hopefully not Noah Igbenajabudin, but even if it's Noah Igbenajabudin, who sucks, he'll be covering like Kendrick Bourne, who literally figures to be their wide receiver too. <laughs> like this team, this Patriots team, they're going to give the Bears a run for their money at the bottom. Remember last offseason when they spent just a shitload of money and everyone's like, see, it's not going to be a rebuild. It's just a retool. They're going to change the way the team runs, but they're still going to be good. And you're like a year they're cap later. Strapped. They're literally yeah, up against the cap. They're, 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 they're thinking cap about. And the roster is bad. They're thinking about trading or cutting Isaiah Wynn, their starting left tackle, because he won't resign with them. And they need the cap space for like, you know, mid-season additions and such. That's crazy. Like, it, they're the worst run team in the NFL. Well, easily. Well. Who else is up against the cap with no roster talent to speak of and no offensive coordinator? The the Giants are in a pretty tough spot roster-wise as well. But they got ah. some exciting young guys. I would kill so many people if I were Bill Belichick to get the Giants roster and cap set up. Because if you could just get rid of Kenny Galladay, you're in good shape. And frankly, Kenny Galladay would probably be the second best wide receiver on the Patriots right now. That's that's a claim. I, mean, I don't know how wild it is, though. It's Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker. Those are the competition. Nelson Aguilar is clearly number one. But after that, Galladay was bad last year. Galladay was terrible. So was Devontae Parker. Yeah. How much of that do you think was Galladay being in that shitty system with Joe Judge, Daniel Jones throwing <laughs> the ball? Oh. Because I Yo, could see yeah, him rebounding a bit new this year. offensive coordinator of the Patriots. <laughs> exactly. 
again, we're not focusing on that. We're focusing on can any of these dudes beat the Dolphins pretty damn good, not elite, but pretty damn good secondary immediately off the snap because it's Mac Jones. He can't throw 40 yards downfield. If you're going to run a deep route, you've got to win within five yards of the line of scrimmage. you got to cook them right away. None of these dudes are cooking any of those corners. Are they going to be able to run on them at all? Well, they're not going to be able to run on the Dolphins because the Dolphins actually have a great off or defensive line. I would say the Dolphins' um, depth chart, especially on defense, is actually like pretty solid. I mean, obviously well, the secondary we've talked about as being real good and being deep, and they've invested in the in the D line pretty recently as well. Let's see. I just got it pulled up. No, got Christian Wilkins, who's really good defensive tackle. Raekwon Davis, who's a fine like nose guard. Emmanuel Ogba, who like we're very familiar with. He is maybe not the most explosive pass rusher, but he will get you consistent. Um, like he'll set your edge and get you like some push in the pocket. And then he's that Olivier Vernon archetype uh, of he's not going to get many sacks, but he's strong and he's smart. So he plays the run game really well and he pushes the pocket. Yep. Which is so funny because he was literally drafted based upon terrible pressure numbers and like a super inflated sack total his senior year. And then he turned out to be literally the exact opposite player in the NFL. But anyway, Melvin Ingram is going to be their third down rusher. And then they've got Jalen Phillips, who's really good and like a burgeoning star edge rusher. And they just signed Trey Flowers, who they can rotate in in run fronts. And then their corners are going to be some combination of Xavier Howard, Nick Needham. Let's pretend that's not a thing. They have Mackenzie Alexander whenever he's ready to play football. I don't know if he'll be ready week one. Eric Rowe, who's perfect matchup for Devontae Parker. Just throw him on the outside and let them both be tall together. Keon Crossan, who's like a veteran slot that won't completely sabotage your defense. And then Javon Holland is an eraser of a safety. Brandon Jones is a super versatile safety who can play man coverage on big receivers. Xavier Howard is great. The Patriots don't yeah. have any great players on either side of the ball. And we haven't even talked about who the fuck is covering Tyreek Hill. And if they do, who the fuck is covering Jalen Waddle? And if they do, who the fuck is covering Cedric Wilson? Yeah, as long as Tua can hit people, there should be a lot of guys open. Yeah, and that's like, again, they're still going to be able to run the ball because now they're, they couldn't run the ball last year. Their offensive line sucked. Now it's Teron Armstead, elite. We've got Connor Williams now at center. I mean, if he's half as good at center as he was at guard, he'll be really good. Yeah, I mean, he, he was an athletic dude that has played all over the offensive line. He's had success in college. He's had success in the NFL. He's not going to set the world on fire, but he's a good, solid dude that you can plug in and not worry about. You know, he has been a guard in the NFL, but in theory, shouldn't be any different. Like they're not just like sticking him there and he has no idea how to snap the ball or play center. Like he, he, he knows what he's doing on a football field. He should have a pretty seamless transition. Yeah. And then Robert Hunt and Liam Eikenberg are like, but Hunt has shown to be an adequate guard in the NFL, which is a little surprising given his like pedigree. And then Eikenberg has shown to be poor, but I liked his film well enough out of college. I have hope for him. Same kind of analysis as Jackson, where it's just, I got to imagine he will benefit from some coaching. So at the least they've got three solid or better offensive linemen. And at the best case scenario, they could have four or five good offensive linemen. Is it in Miami as well? It's in Miami where the Patriots historically struggle and it will be hot. I was going to say, it's going to be hot. I mean, you're, you're selling me on this because I was very apprehensive when you first brought it up. Like, man, I don't want to bet on rookie head coach 
in week one with Tua going against the, I mean, the most experienced head coach. But everything under him is no longer experienced. Oh man, I'm excited to see this team. Oh dude, from what I've heard, it is going to be like, like bad news bears level of incompetence. Not even like, oh, they're just not good, but like they're not only not good, but they don't know what the fuck they're doing either. And I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think most people want to see the Patriots fail. Probably fewer than when Tom was there, but there's still a lot of people that want to see them fail and get retribution for the 20 years of them being the the empire. I'm number one on that list. <laughs> I I can't fucking wait. So do do I have your agreement? Can this be one of our, our five picks for the week one of the 2022 yeah. season? Yeah. yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Shout out to my buddy Alonzo, who gave me the gall to do this, make this pick. He's right. I agree with everything. But uh, this is definitely a pod pick. It's probably, it's our best bet. Let's make it our best bet. I'm for it. Let's make it the best bet. All right, moving on. What do we got next? All right. So next up, we have the New Orleans Saints going to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are plus five and a half. I can't bet this at all. Like I'm, I'm high on both of these teams. It's just directionally, I've got nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one that I think there's some value in the Saints because I think people are maybe underestimating that offense a little bit. They think that offense has room to be pretty good. I did too. You know, they lost her on Armstead, but they, they, they still have a really good offensive line. They don't have an elite wide receiver room, but they have a pretty solid one that is going to be able to move down the field, albeit probably not in the most explosive way. And Jameis proved that he could like kind of quarterback and do a little bit of the game manager stuff. So that's kind of all they did with yeah. Sean Payton was a lot of dink and dunks and just like taking his first read off the pre-snap, not going deep downfield too often. And they had a pretty professional offense. Like it did well. They weren't blowing the doors off anyone, but coupled with their defense, it was, it was pretty good. So I think there's some value there, but people think the Falcons are going to be so bad. Exactly. That we don't get too much. And five and a half is such a weird number. Especially on the road. It's just, I, I'm really high on Atlanta. I love their quarterback. I think their offensive line's a little underrated. I actually have grown to like their skill position players. Their defense has holes. But, dude, Loki, is Marcus May playing or is he in jail? What the fuck's going on with him? I don't know. I I mean, like, he got arrested, so I have to imagine they're not just going to, like, let him play. But I, I have no expectations with the NFL. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Alvin Kamara also recently got arrested, and he is expected to play, correct? Yes, he definitely is. Uh, I, I would like to say that Marcus May was arrested with a charge of aggravated assault with a firearm after a road rage incident, and he's claiming total innocence. He apparently, he thinks that the firearm, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm not going to do that. Somehow he thinks that it, he didn't do it, but he, I mean, he, I think he fucking did it. <laughs> you know, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. Nope. I'm not going to say anything. You know what? I don't know. Yeah. Innocent until proven guilty. I just don't think he plays this week. <laughs> after I, allegedly I pulling them. a gun out in road rage and getting arrested you know, for it he didn't fire the gun they let him out on bail in theory should they have i don't know we're not gonna get into that he's uh, done nothing wrong legally yet ah! he he may at a later date be decided to have done something legally wrong okay that's well said very However, very lawyerly of you as of this point 
Well, I mean, that's kind of how the NFL is operated is, is why we're looking at that. Like, um, is they don't do anything until like there's some public decision that pushes say, them one way or another. Or TMZ releases a grainy video of it and they're like, oh yeah. Oh. Exactly. Uh, all right, we're done virtue signaling like fucking cucks uh, about football. I Saints, I don't love the defense as much if May's not playing. And I do love the defense, typically, like as a general rule. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that the Saints are necessarily going to be the type to be pressuring the fuck out of Mariota. I do are there are there corners kind of weak now now that they lost Gardner Johnson? Um we have a reevaluating to do. No, I our, mean they they yeah, still have Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, and Bradley Roby. Fuck. Like they still have three dudes that could play for just about any. Legitimately, I don't know if I would have CJ Johnson or CJ. I don't know if fucking that guy would start for this team if I was the coach. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Saints no, defense I, is really fucking good. It's just really fucking is. good. But you don't lay six points effectively because a defense is good in this year. Yeah, especially because I, I worry a little bit about their ability to get pressure this season. Because it's, it's kind of... Uh, they got four big men. Yeah, it's kind of Cam Jordan and then a bunch of dudes that should be able to play good lane discipline. That's very diplomatic. You're, you're on a roll with this diplomacy. But yeah, I just, I don't have an angle on this game. This is this is why I get along with everyone, man. I don't <laughs> say a bad thing about anyone. Well, that's not true, but... <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Yeah, I think, yeah, there's not really much to say about it. I'm I'm good with moving on. Uh, I'm not betting on it. I think the number is too weird. We got to see a little bit about these teams. Next up in the one o'clock hour, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are plus four. See, this is another game where I just don't know what to do because four feels light, but I'm kind of high on the Lions as a general team. And I'm, I'm all of a sudden, I'm really low on the Eagles relative to the market and seems just exuberantly high on them. But I think the Eagles have to win, right? And yeah, I mean, it's hard to win. I we should just lay the four, but I don't want to. Everybody's going to lay this four. Come on. Who's not laying the four? No, got to stay away. <laughs> I think it's one that you could, it's this one that's decent. I don't hate it because I think the Eagles should be able to control the game at the line for the most part. And these teams are pretty similar. Do you think so though? Cause Dude, the Lions probably have the second or third best offensive line. They have, yeah, I was speaking more Eagles O-line against Detroit D-line in that because the Eagles, what they want to do is they want to run the ball, right? Like they're yeah. going to run the ball and try and grind clock and just eat the game away. And yeah. the Lions aren't going to play too differently. I just think the Eagles are like, they're two years further in the development of this type of team. Yeah. You know, their, their receivers are a little more flushed out now that they have AJ Brown, whereas lions are, you know, they have Jamison Williams and he's not but it, right. And so like, they're kind of on the younger side of that. They both have quarterbacks that are kind of just filling space for them. That should not using. be, should not be starting. That right. is the way to say that. <laughs> yeah. That shouldn't be starting that are not part of their future plans, but they've found ways to keep them, you know, playing and functional especially the Eagles last year with Hertz and ideally this year too. Um, but it's just tough to bet on kind of the two very similar teams, just one that's maybe a little bit better because I think it's going to be a low scoring kind of ugly game. Yeah. And both teams are going to run the ball. So it's going to be fewer possessions. Like you don't want to lay this screams field goal game. 
and I don't want to be fucking trying to squeak out a point of value. That's so yeah. thin. Because, yeah, then, then that tells you to bet on the Lions. But then you're betting on the Lions on the edge of a razor because you think they're going to lose by three. So you have one point to play with. Yeah, it's just not um, enough value to play this game. Yeah, exactly. So decent game. I'm actually, I'm not super excited to, like, watch the course of the game because I think it's just going to be a bunch of, like, whose line can be more dominant. But I think it'll tell us a lot about each team, how it ends up. This game is going to be, actually, if you don't, if you if you miss it, if you can't tune in live, go on Pornhub later that night because every film junkie is going to be masturbating to how fantastic the line play and the defensive back play is in this game. It's yeah. it, outside of quarterback. This is this is elite 2005 football. Elite. <laughs> This is this is the type of football Mike Vrabel wants to play. 20 years ago, these teams both make the playoffs because quarterbacks don't matter as much. Yeah, you might be right. I think the, the Lions might still be a little lacking in the playmaker room, but yeah, you're probably right. But I think that's all we're going to say about this one. Let's go ahead and move on. Next, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are minus six and a half. I'm, I'm starting to get fucking mad because this is just another case of like, I want to fade the Bengals, but I can't bet on the fucking Mitch Trubisky Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. I, I think the Bengals are wicked overrated. And, I mean, they're on our fade list, both of our fade lists, but I'm not I'm not going to stake my bet to the offensively inept Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I mean, dude, on okay, so on defense, they've still got TJ Watt and they still got Cam Haywood. And those are both elite, elite, elite players, right? And they're going to sack Joe Burrow. Let's call it three times. And almost almost certainly two of the three, if not all three, will be Joe Burrow's fault. That's what he does. I think it's safe bet two of the three. And then I, I actually like Alex Highsmith on the other edge. So let's call it four sacks. But I don't love the corners at all. Akello Witherspoon is just the most pedestrian cornerback two you ever did see. And Levi Wallace is a low-end cornerback two. So that's like a B-minus cornerback room. You don't like to see it. You've got linebackers who are asked to do things that they're not capable of doing and then terrible safeties the other trey edmonds remember that tremaine edmonds in buffalo should be a defensive end but he plays linebacker and terrell edmonds in pittsburgh plays safety but he should play linebacker got to move them all all the edmonds brothers move on up but for now he's playing strong safety and minka fitzpatrick is just getting torched at free safety i you know when it really hurts to have terrible safety play and passable at absolute best cornerback play when you're playing a team that literally only exists because of broken ball broken play deep balls yeah i was gonna say this is where it's just not a good matchup for the steelers either because the Bengals, obviously their their o-line is gonna struggle with that front seven for the steelers and the pressure they're gonna go put on them but joe burrow just has to throw his jump balls to t higgins and jamar chase who are going to be able to eviscerate those cornerbacks especially in jump ball situations and and god forbid they get up against the safeties it's even worse it's a horror show it, it is smut it should not be on television no it's it's honestly it's it's kind of sad what's happened to the, to the Steelers because I think they're better on offense than they are on defense they got the elite wide receiving core their offensive line does suck their quarterback, quarterback does terrible. suck see this is just not a very good team <laughs> this it's is not, kind of the problem but somehow they'll still probably win seven games 
Yeah, I mean, just it's the Tomlin effect. They will care when nobody else does, and they will win by two points. Yeah, but and they are they are really well coached situationally too. They're, they're well coached situationally. I think they're an appropriate level of aggressive. I just can't bet them even catching six and a half week one. I agree with I you. Can't do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, I really need to say much more. So I'm good with moving on over. With the final game of the one o'clock hour, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Chicago Bears. The Bears are plus seven. Ah, the two teams I arguably hate the fucking most. I was about my, to say, this is, this is your toilet bowl. My hometown Chicago Bears equipped with brain-dead quarterback versus my girlfriend's hometown San Francisco 49ers equipped with being from San Francisco and unfortunately Trey Lance. I only have so much hate. <laughs> I don't I have believe to... that. I, I think it's actually boundless. Well, this game is testing it and talking about it is going to legitimately raise my blood pressure. Where do we begin? Uh, let, let's do let's do Bears offense, 49ers defense. OK, fuck me. Uh, let's we're going to start positive. We're going to start positive. I am a fan of Equinemius St. Brown and Darnell Mooney. I, I don't think that they're a good starting NFL wide receiver duo just yet, but I think they'll be solid because I think Mooney's a really good two. And I think St. Brown, a legitimately very good wide receiver one is in him, but he is straight. I have good inside intel that his his quirks hold him back quite a bit. And I don't know if that's fixed. I'm going to guess not, but... You mean personality quirks? Yeah. Hard to work hard to work with uh aloof and uh doesn't if he doesn't agree with what a coach is saying he'll just shut down and be like no they're actually wrong my dad said otherwise uh to to the to the point where he legitimately refuses to stretch because that's how muscles weaken i'm not joking this is a this is an actual empirical like this is a yeah so um isn't he one of like the cheetahs don't stretch i Uh think uh-huh. It's like yeah, yeah they do. Like, you can, <laughs> Actually, you have you them. have you have you met a cat? They always stretch. That's like 90% of their life is stretching and eating. Yeah. Um okay. Uh like, now yo, the positives are out of the po- way. They named yoga poses after dogs and cats stretching. You dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so that's the positive end. It only gets worse from here. Uh Larry Borum is probably starting at right tackle for the Bears. His claim to fame is that he's fat. That's it. Like he's just really large, and they're like, Well, gotta go around him. That takes time, right? Legitimately, he's just fat. I think he's like 350. Let's see. 330. But I don't know if I believe that. Uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard could be good. He could also be paralyzed. strange trajectory something is afoot here i don't know what the fuck it is i don't have intel on that one i heard problems with his spine and his back and then i heard he just doesn't like the new coaching staff at all wants to leave i got questions um lucas patrick is apparently going to start at center instead of mustafer it can only be better than mustafer who is tiny and non-athletic not things you want from an offensive lineman uh cody whitehair is good Good left tackle or left guard, not left tackle. And then Braxton Jones is this fucking mystery out of Southern Utah, the Thunderbirds. Got prototypical size, he's 6'5, 310, and he was fucking dominant against FCS competition. Like, did he play anybody? No. Did they ever beat him? No. So he took a first grade spelling test and he got 100%. How impressive is that? I'm not sure. Uh, note that Mac Jones and Justin Fields took first grade spelling tests in college and uh, turns out they can't spell. So I'm not going to make any assumptions about Braxton Jones. Speaking of Justin Fields, don't let his preseason fool you. He's still brain dead. He cannot read progressions. He cannot read defenses. He's generally confused most of the time and he doesn't like to run as much as he should. Mm-hmm. 
exacerbate this by the fact they got a first-time play caller behind the wheel who's going to want to run the ball a lot behind a bad offensive line with bad running backs. Bears aren't going to score a ton. No, no, they're not. I think they're they're going to be fighting to stay positive because they're going to give up points as well. <laughs> That's a fairly decent point. Um, yeah, and like if you're going to try to run the ball a lot and you've got a shaky offensive line, you know who you don't want to face is Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and whoever the fuck else they care to put out there on the defensive line with those three. You're going to get pressured if you try to throw the ball deep. You're going to get no push if you try to run the ball. And God forbid you lock up those three dudes on the defensive line. Now you have to try to get past Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw or Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshair. You're fucked. You can't run against these 49ers and they will fucking pressure you. And now they got Traverius Ward on the outside. They haven't had a corner that good. I literally don't remember that last time they had a corner that good. And I don't think he's great. I think he's a good CB too, but that's, I mean, they usually suck. Yeah. They've had like, like a stretch of corners that have made me go, how are they winning games? Yeah, like, I mean, how like, do you not pass for 250 yards every quarter? Even Richard Sherman. Like, I, I remember him being a 49er. It wasn't good. I know he had the one year where PFF loved him. They were wrong. Like, so they're better there. They're still bad at safety, but they were always bad at safety. I think the Bears are fucked on offense. The problem, I think the 49ers might be fucked on offense. They're still, they're still going to win because they got Kyle Shanahan as opposed to Luke Getze. Or what is Getze? Maybe it is Luke Getze. It's Getze. I don't know. I have no idea. He's a new offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback's coach for a team that's head coach called Plough offensive plays last year he's extremely green and frankly not worth knowing the name of yet yeah i was gonna say i i'm not gonna really worry about learning his name until he's there next year because i don't necessarily expect that to happen Speaking, you know, I mean, that, that all boils down to Eberflus getting fired or not. And I think he probably will because he runs such a vanilla fucking defense and he has no bearing on the offense. Uh, as for the defense, it's the Bears defense, but like they are no longer the Bears defense. Like it's Robert Quinn, who was very, very good last year, again, out of nowhere. And then nothing like Travis Gibson is going to be their second edge. That's arguably okay. It's a C plus. It might be a B minus. You know, it's fine. Then Angelo Blackson and which Jones do they have? Justin? Yeah, they're fucked. The defensive interior sucks. Roquan Smith is massively overrated. They have an assortment of other outside linebackers who may or may not start. And I don't know who it's going to be, but it's not going to be good. Uh, the corners in Jalen Johnson and Tyler Gordon are going to be fine. Both of those dudes should be cornerback twos, but I don't think the fucking 49ers are going to pass ever. And here's the rub. 49ers offensive line sucks outside of Trent Williams. And Mike McGlinchey. They're both really good. Williams being elite. McGlinchey being great. The entire interior sucks. Debo Samuel's massively overrated. Brandon Ayuk's just okay. So they're going to have to run the ball with a bad offensive line. And they're going to have to throw the ball with Trey Lance. And he sucks. And the only reason I'm not betting the 49ers, they're not a drop dead leg. And I can't bet on them to win this game laying a touchdown because I don't trust Trey Lance. If it was Jimmy Garoppolo, I think I'd go 49ers here. Overall, I just I don't need to deal with plus seven or minus seven in week one with with, with bad a, quarterbacks, no less with a quarterback that I hate or exactly. don't believe in. Um, so I think we can go ahead and move on to the four o'clock window. And that brings us to the Green Bay Packers traveling to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are plus one and a half. Smell that? This line is fishy. I don't like it. I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, it it seems really fucking strange to me. Um, like, you know, I I think the Packers are probably a little overrated in like, you know, the way we talk about the team publicly. And the Vikings might be a little underrated, but this line seems strange. 
I'm I'm high on the Vikings theory. Well, no, I'm not. I'm like I'm like I took like two hits of the joint on the Vikings. I'm not even high. Well, like I feel slightly different. I'm buzzed on the Vikings, but I just don't understand this line. Okay, the Packers are going to have a top five defense. I was going to say might have the best defense. I don't know about that, but it's top five. We love Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark on the defensive line. Both really awesome, awesome players. We love Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas at the cornerback positions. And then they got Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, who are both very consummate safeties. So where's the fucking weakness? Plus they run that fog zone defensive scheme that just nobody can figure out apparently. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, their defense, like they... They put up good numbers when you watch them. They pass the eye test that they're pretty dominant. And like they they just have talent across the board and they're healthy right now, too. Yeah. I I mean, for now they're healthy. We might have a different conversation in a couple of days, or I guess in a week. But yeah, no, they're healthy and they're really talented. And the Vikings still have well, their offensive line's actually gotten a lot better quietly. Darisaw looks like a good left tackle and Brian O'Neill is a fine right tackle. The entire interior is question marks, but question marks that I'm optimistic about Uh, really for me. And, you know, with the new offensive scheme from Kevin O'Connell or cock, as it were, I'm, I'm bullish on the Vikings ability to score points and throw the ball downfield with their great, dare I say, elite starting two wide receivers, Thielen and Jefferson. The issue is going to come back down to Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I mean, it's always the issue with them. Yeah. The, like like Dalvin cook, you know, he, he's the same thing as maybe like I said, the Packers defense is actually healthy right now because Jair Alexander, you never really know if he's going to be playing or not. And Dalvin's kind of that player for the Vikings of, it seems like he plays 10 games a year, but he's really, really good in those 10 games. And 10 might be a little, selling him a little short, but he's healthy right now. He's a really good running back. He can receive out of the backfield. You already mentioned the receivers of Justin Jefferson is, you know, one of the young up and coming stars that a lot of people already talk about him. Like he's one of the best in the league and he's quickly getting to that point. And then Thielen's well-established is just a a good solid receiver. That's going to get open and catch the ball. He's not lighting the world on fire really anymore, but he's going to be open. He has really good chemistry with Cousins. And that offensive line is in, is getting better. You talked about Darisaw. It was kind of rounded into form. Ezra Cleveland was a pick from last year that did pretty well for him and was a guy that was pretty raw. So he, in theory, is only getting better. Um, you have no idea. I I have no idea about Ingram. No, I didn't. I, di- I didn't scout at Ingram, but he was a second round pick. So at the least, they're high on him. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Bradbury is like not ideal, but it's fine. I liked Bradbury so much coming out of college, though. I. I, I'm always going to feel like he's got something in the tank. Yeah. I love that they got Irv Smith Jr. too. I think that was a great pickup. Yeah, well, they've had him. It's just they're actually going to use him now because they never threw to the tight ends under uh, whoever the fuck Zimmer had running the offense. Oh, yeah, Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else, but has he really been in the league that long already? Man, time flies. I feel like he came out like last year. No, it was only two um, years ago. Okay, maybe, yeah, then that. But, like, I think he's he's a really good addition. Though I loved him in Alabama. I thought he was going to be really good. He fits into the NFL, like the modern NFL, really well. Um, so, ideally, they keep, you know, they get him in, more involved. The That's offense the should be good. Yeah. And I think Kevin O'Connell has a good 
philosophy that should bode well for them and help Cousins kind of like be the better version of himself. Here's the problem. This defense is very, very good. And the scheme is very, very good. This offense is good, not very, very good. And the scheme is good, but will get bested by this defense schematically. Now, that doesn't mean that the Vikings won't score. They will. They'll just score less than usual. On the other side, though, the Vikings defense is quietly devoid of talent, isn't being coordinated by a defensive coach anymore. And the Packers are still the Packers. I don't give a fuck what they say. There's First of all, they got Bakhtiari said he's going to play week one. So they have the best tackle duo, second best tackle duo in the NFL, maybe third. It's elite. Bakhtiari is the second best tackle. For my money, might be the first. And Jenkins El- is very good as well. El- Elgington? I don't know how to say his name. El- I think Elgington? it's just Elton. Whatever the fuck Egghead is calling himself, he's really, really good at playing tackle and guard and even center one time. Um, just fantastic offensive line. Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. We don't need to get into that, but it's certainly better than Kirk Cousins. The running game is sick, and I don't think that the wide receivers are nearly as bad as people say. I think Randall Cobb and Amari Rodgers will combine to be very good in the slot. I think that Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard will be more than serviceable on the outside, and they have Christian Watson and... Romeo Daubs, Dobbs, Daubs, Daubs, whatever. They have them coming in as the fourth and fifth wide receivers who can also be very good. I just think that's plenty of options for Rodgers who will turn anybody into however good a receiver. Aaron Rodgers can turn anybody into a good receiver. Aaron Rodgers does benefit a lot from having good receivers, but when he's on, it doesn't matter who he's throwing to. How often he's on, totally other question. But at the very least, he will be average, which is matching Kirk Cousins with a great running game and an awesome coach. Meanwhile, the Vikings defense... I'm going to flash. I mean, like, check. I, I put the fucking depth chart up on the screen. Tell me where they don't kind of suck. Yeah. I mean, I think they just have, they don't have a ton of depth anywhere. Like, I still like Harrison Smith. I still like Daniil Hunter. Do you like Harrison Smith? I don't. Even. I mean, I, I like him for his role. Like, you know, I don't really want him covering much anymore. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same fucking boat. But, eh, well, it's not so bad because they're probably going to have Lewis Seen starting at the other safety. I know he's yeah, not I mean, scheduled the slate start yet, but he will. Yeah. And I love him. I do too. But they just, I mean, I like Eric Kendricks a lot too. I do too. But you just have such a quick drop off in the corners are not great either. Like Cam Dantzler is uh, young and he's had some success, but then you, you have Patrick Peterson who is just needs ancient. Needs to retire. Yeah. Needs, needs to retire. And then is that, is that Chandon Sullivan they got going in the slot? Yeah. Wow. Nope. Do not want that. Yeah. So like the, the defense, I just think that you run out really quick. And so that's where your, your value is in this game of, the Vikings offense. I'm sorry. The Vikings I'm just, offense. I'm I'm highlighting real quick that Cam Dantzler's PFF overall grade is pretty good at about a 74, but it's almost entirely because of his 91 run defense grade and ag- agnostic of his 67 coverage grade. That's just funny to me. Go PFF. Yeah, sometimes you kind of go a layer deeper. Um, but so even though that we think that it, it should be pretty competitive between a, a really good offense and an incredible defense. Uh, on this side, I think it'll probably be a little more uneven because exactly. even though you have some top end guys that can match up, the the Packers just have so many dudes that they can go to and they have really good depth on the offensive line. I mean, you can attack a little bit, but for the most part, like 
you're going to have to put up with someone good at every position. Whereas you can kind of find the shitty player on the Vikings defense at any position group that's going to have to be on the field. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to hide that many guys on defense, especially when you're going against Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. No, exactly. And like, that's the best thing. If everything works out perfectly for the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, otherwise known as Cock, in his first game as a head coach, in his first game as a play caller, he will be as good as we know that Matt LaFleur already is. So like best case scenario, so best case scenario, the Vikings are going to have the same caliber of coach as Green Bay. We know what we've got in Green Bay. Frankly, I, I think we should make this a pick. Should we make, should we make this a pod pick? Yeah, I, I think I'm trying to figure out like what this number is. Uh, maybe people think that the, the Packers are slow starters after last year. Like people got burned by that Saints game. Yeah, because I can't figure out why this is at the number it's at. Like only one and a half points. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, I think that the market's overthinking. Let's make this a bet. I I know it's kind of square because I am high on where the Vikings are going, but they're not there yet. One unit, Green Bay over the Vikings minus one and a half. Yeah, let's do it. All right, next in the four o'clock hour. All right, I got I got my fucking sound clip in. Now we can go to the next game. We have the Kansas City Chiefs going to play the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are plus four and a half. All right, so full disclosure, this line used to be Chiefs minus three, and I had it. I mean, I have it. I, cur- I have the bet. But we can't take that in the contest because they don't give you credit for bets you've made already. Uh, as it stands, I'm open to the idea of taking the Chiefs still. So we've got Andy Reid with time. And while Cliff Kingsbury is a really good offensive mind, he ain't no Andy Reid. Because you know who is Andy Reid? Bill Walsh. That's like it. That's it. He's that good. You can make a, make an argument for Coriel. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could. But I wouldn't be able to argue because I don't even know. I don't even know about the San Diego Chargers of the 70s. My football consciousness is shorter. Uh, granted, well, it doesn't matter. Okay. The Chiefs are really good. They lost Tyreek Hill. They lost the best wide receiver in football. And it's not going to matter because they're replacing him with five dudes who amount to the same thing. But it's difficult for any team, much less this incredibly, let's call it what it is, this piss poor Cardinals secondary to cover five pieces of Tyree Kill. So like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to do all the deep stuff that Tyree Kill used to do, right? He'll take him deep. And Juju Smith-Schuster, is, you know, he was never the dude that he was hyped to be when he was with the Steelers, but he's a good slot. So he'll take the shorter routes that Tyreek used to run. And Mecole Hardman will do all the yak shit that Tyreek used to do because he's also awesome with the ball in his hands. And oh, by the way, they have Sky Moore, who's probably the best actual wide receiver of the entire group. And Travis Kelsey's still there. And Andy Reid is still calling plays. It's going to be stupid. Frankly, I, I think it could be better. Yeah, I mean, I could... <clears throat> I could see it being better, but also I worry a little bit about it's a different game for Mahomes because I think it could be better and that they're going to be more guys open and the defense is not, they can't just key in on Tyreek and Kelsey and kind of call it a day. Yeah. Now it's a little bit Kelsey and then a bunch of dudes that can kind of get after you. So it does keep the defense on their toes a little bit more and it gives Mahomes more options in theory or like makes him look around, but it also requires him to process more, which we know isn't his greatest strength. No, Mahomes, like it sounds blasphemous. Like I want to cross myself before I say it, but Mahomes is not a good processor. He's got a lot of one read and done in him. We saw that last year, but what I think, I think that losing Tyreek will help him because he won't be able to go one read. I'm going to cross myself real quick so I don't burst into flames, but 
he likes to lock onto his number one guy a lot. And we saw that last year. He struggled with it mightily when his number one guy was usually a deeper route and teams took away deeper routes with two high coverages and prevent defenses. I think that by getting rid of Tyreek, they might actually help him with that though, because there's no longer a number one guy to lock onto. Like, yeah, there's still Kelsey, but it's a tight end. It's a different thing. Yeah. So regardless, I think that the Chiefs will have at least a decent offensive output. I mean, I, I think, think it's still going to be really high offensive output. It just exactly. might not be as stupid as we've gotten used to, but like they have incredible pieces. They have a really good offensive line. They have Andy fucking Reed with the entire offseason to game plan. And they have Mahomes who like we shit on a little bit because we think he's overrated, but he's undoubtedly, I mean, a top seven guy. What did, what did you have him at? Six, seven? I was going to say, I think I had him six. And like, I understand if you want to move him up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's they dude, they can go five wide now. Like the last few years, they've been able to go two wide, maybe three. They can go five wide, spread you the fuck out. And like, okay, the Cardinals' number one corner, number one, their best guy is Traylon Muller, who the Raiders just wanted to cut. And while that's stupid and they should not have wanted to cut him, he's not a number one cornerback. He is a number two. They have Byron Murphy, who is still just coasting off the fact that Draft Twitter loved him a few years ago, but he's not good at playing football. And he had like three good games one year. All in the slot. Yeah. And then they have Marco Wilson, second year player out of Florida, who they really like him. I don't know why at all. Like I, he had potential coming out of Florida, but it does not show up on football fields. They also have no pass rush because they lost Chandler Jones. And as good as JJ Watt used to be, he's not that guy anymore, especially coming off yet another season ending injury. But let's put it this yeah. way. Patrick Mahomes is going to have all the time he fucking wants back there between his great offensive line and that mediocre at the very, very, very best defensive line. They got good safeties in Buda Baker. And uh, is it Jalen Thompson? Jay, Yeah, Jalen Thompson. I wanted to say J-Ron. I corrected myself to Jalen. I was right. Well done. Yeah, just I think the Chiefs are going to score 30 at will. Like it'll, It's going to be easy for them to put up points. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think – and again, this is more of a, uh, a knock on the Cardinals' defense because I just think they're really bad. I <laughs> know uh, I don't think they're particularly good. Like you were saying, pick out the like anybody that's good on the Vikings defense. I think it's even harder to do with the Cardinals. Did you kind Absolutely. of have Buda Baker? Like, and then that's really the only guy that's like bona fide good anymore. JJ Watt, I think, is still solid, but he gets hurt all the time and is old. Is old and coming off of a big injury, and you just never know if it's going to be what it used to be. You know? Yeah. So I think that defense is just pretty bad all around and i don't think they have like a good defensive coach to help them cover up for it uh in advance joseph yeah well i don't think it's anything no um so the the chiefs should be able to score however they want then you know always get the question of well will the cardinals be able to keep up yeah and and dude i don't know how the fucking the cardinals are such a mediocre team at best like okay we just got done talking about how their defense is like devoid of talent let's talk about their offensive line we got rodney hudson who's a good starting center a good solid b to yeah let's call it a b starting center outside of that like dj humphreys is an okay tackle he's fine shout out to alex's dog but uh yeah, they got a they got a good center ish and a good left tackle ish. 
Justin Pugh is fine at left guard. And then the right, ta- the right side with Will Hernandez and Kelvin Beecham is, shall we say, lacking. So you have half of an offensive line and you're going to be going up against Chris Jones, who's still great. George Karloftis, who is as bad as he might be, he's at least good enough to beat Kelvin Beecham. I think and, that'll be just a lot of standing up and pushing each other back and forth. But yeah, but like, and then Frank Clark, who is now no longer good anymore, he can hold an edge. So they're not going to get a lot of push. You're, they're not going to, like the, the Cardinals, that is, will not get a lot of push. They're not going to be able to run the ball, not well at least. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, they may have warts in the passing game, but they're very fast. They're very rangy. You don't want to try to stretch them out in a zone run scheme. Remember that the linebackers don't have to cover very much against the Cardinals because Kyler can't throw to the middle of the field or the second level. He has to throw deep. That's all he can do, which means that you're going to be testing Juan Thornhill, really good safety, and Justin Reed, solid safety. Additionally, while the Chiefs may lack top end talent at cornerback, they're deep now because they have Trent McDuffie, who I think will line up so well against either Hollywood Brown or Rondale Moore. He is so quick. You can stick Rashad Fenton or Algeria Sneed on AJ Green. That is a perfectly fine matchup. And again, you've got those safeties over the top. I just, I don't see how the Cardinals fucking, I don't see how they keep up at all with the Chiefs. Honestly, I think this is at least a touchdown win. This is a safe one. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the Cardinals will definitely be able to score because the Chiefs defense is not good. I mean, they, I like McDuffie as well, but I don't expect him to come in and be a CB1 and the Chiefs don't have a CB1. Uh, granted they didn't last year and they never really have, and it hasn't impacted them too much. Um, but Frank Clark continues to not really be anything. No, he's nothing. I don't think Karloftis is going to do too much for him. I think he's like, he's a solid player. He's going to do well in the run game. We've talked about a little bit of like that mold, the Olivier Vernon type guy. Yep. And I think he's kind of in that type where he's going to push the pocket. He's going to, you know, maintain discipline. He's going to be good in the run game. But if you're expecting him to get 10 sacks, you're probably going to be kind of disappointed unless he gets just like cleanup stuff left and right. But that's not really his game. It's all kind of Chris Jones. He's he's it on their line for him. Um, but it's funny. It's funny because I think that Karloftis would be really good if he slid inside the defensive tackle like Chris Jones. I agree with you. Um, and I think that he eventually is going to end up there, but it's going to take him a minute. Um, but with all that said of the Chiefs defense is iffy, I just don't think the Cardinals are going to be able to consistently do it because the matchups just aren't great. Yeah. They don't they don't have any any stark advantage in the matchups and you need a stark advantage to capitalize and score when your quarterback is far inferior because you can go read about Kyler Murray on the Patreon, which is free, pixeled separately. separately. But Kyler Murray is just not good. He's a below average quarterback and he's going against Patrick Mahomes, who's really good. And in order for Kyler Murray to win, he needs one of two things to happen. He needs to be able to run consistently, comfortably, and for large chunks. I don't think that'll happen against these fast linebackers and these safeties. Or he needs to be able to throw dinks and dunks and get yak. Again, I don't think that'll happen because the Chiefs just have too many cornerbacks that aren't great. The Chiefs basically have taken taken an offensive line approach to cornerbacks where they're like, okay, we've got no star, but there's no holes. So you can throw the ball short all you want. There will be some coverage and somebody willing to make a tackle because McDuffie can tackle. Elgeria Sneed is a really good tackler and Rashad Fenton's a solid tackler. So like you can't spread them out and throw the dinks and you can't throw deep because they've got good safeties over the top. And I think McDuffie can run with Hollywood Brown just, you know, vertically. So yeah. I don't, and, I don't and it all comes he... down to when they have to try and keep up with the chief's offense, 
it's just it's not going to happen like they might have some success they might be able to pick some of these holes and get some situational stuff kyler might be able to make stuff happen but in not anywhere to the level that it's going to matter when the chiefs offense can kind of score at will exactly i i know it's always scary but can should we lay the minus four and a half do we, we, do we it, need to do we have five on, bets let's put it on the maybe pile put it on the maybe pile and if we need another bet we'll take it Okay. I like that. All right. But I think we can go ahead and move on to the next four o'clock game where we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus three. Oh, see, this game is really good, but I just don't think it's actionable. Yep. I agree with you. I think this is a classic case of a game that I'm going to be thrilled to watch, but would give me a heart attack if I tried to bet on it. Yeah, honestly, this this four o'clock slot's going to be tough for me to figure out. I don't know which team is or which game is going to go on the big TV. Like, like real quick, I mean, like it might be Green Bay versus Minnesota, but that'll honestly that game will make my fucking stomach turn just because the vestiges of Bears fandom. <laughs> it might be the Chiefs versus Cardinals because I do already have two units on Chiefs minus two and a half or three. I don't remember. If you want to find out, go to the Patreon. It's on the Patreon. You don't, you got to pay for it because it's picks sold separately. Um, otherwise, free Patreon. Free Patreon. Uh, and then this game is just going to be so electric, but I cannot bet it. So I really like what the Chargers have done with their offensive line. Rashawn Slater is a godsend, and Corey Lindsley is an elite center. Zion Johnson, I have never been so certain that a player would be very good as I am with Zion Johnson. There's no doubt in my mind that he will be a good or better guard. And then Matt Filer is a pretty decent guard. So they're four deep on good offensive linemen, like the Storm Norton, Trey Pipkins saga at right tackle. That's not great, but you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, it's 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 a hole, mm-hmm. I would argue. And then a wide receiver with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, the Twin Towers, like that's good. It's overrated, but it's good. And Josh, Josh Palmer has some. Josh Palmer's got some juice. He impresses me sometimes. Uh, they brought in Gerald Everett, who is fine. He's like the explosive version of CJ Usama in that he's not good. He's just fine. But whereas Usama is just like really consistent and reliable and smart, Everett is really athletic. It's like they, they have complementary holes in each other's games. And then, you know, Justin Herbert, the third best quarterback in the NFL. He's on the verge of entering that elite tier. My problem with this Chargers team on offense is their coaching. I fucking hate Joe Lombardi. He insists upon throwing dinks and dunks and screens and not allowing Justin Herbert to do what he does best and throw downfield. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those, um, the coach is definitely making his players fit to his scheme because anybody else with Justin Herbert would be like, oh, wow, this incredibly talented downfield thrower. Let's get him some uh, exciting, explosive options. And instead, he's like six-yard curl. Well, I, the thing that's most fucking frustrating is that like, it's not like they have wide receivers that are good after the catch. Mike Williams is exclusively a jump ball receiver. Keenan Allen is probably slower than both of their defensive ends. <laughs> and, and Josh Palmer is a fine hybrid X player, but like... He's not, it's not what you want, like after the catch. So yeah, Joe Lombardi's a fuck. And and it really hinders my ability to get on this Chargers team that I otherwise love being a native Los Angelino, obviously, from my two years spent there. And currently has a Dodgers jersey on. Currently do have a Dodgers jersey on. And I have two Los Angeles driver's licenses, just in case. Uh, as a long story. I, I like the color light blue. It's It suits me. But yeah, I just fucking hate Joe Lombardi. And, and it doesn't get better on the defensive side of the ball with Brandon Staley. So I hate the coaching. I really like the team. On the other side, we've got like the opposite. Like, let's, let's play the game again. Where don't the Raiders kind of suck on defense? Yeah, obviously you have Max Crosby, who's just a fucking revelation. Stud. stud elite. Yeah. 
Uh, Nate Hobbs, is, you know, burst onto the scene last year, and it's one of the premier slot corners in the yeah. league right now. I, I really like him. Um, and then not sucking. I think Rocky Sin and Trevin Morig are both kind of younger but exciting players that should be solid. I think Trevin Morgan, Trevin Morig could be really good. Rocky Sin is probably about what he's going to be. Yeah, Yasin is just a B B minus player. He'll come in, he'll be fine. I actually really think that Merrick can be good. Yeah, me too. I liked him a lot coming out of the draft. He was the guy that dropped like crazy, wasn't he? No, that was Ardarius Stewart, his tandem. I mean, well, I guess Morig. Did yeah, because he was a guy that was supposed to be in like was the first round. And people talked about like, oh, is he going to be there in the middle of the round, the late, the end of the round? And then he went in like the middle of the second, if I remember right. Yeah, but then Ardarius Stewart was supposed to be an early second, and I don't think he got drafted. That's toughy. Yeah, they they must have been doing some funky shit at TCU yeah. off the field in order to fall like that. Because they were both really good. But anyhow. So, yeah, kind of, I'd probably say those four, and then the other seven suck. Yeah, like, I don't like Divine Diablo, although his name is sick. It, 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 I want nothing more than for that person to be incredible at football. Well, he was a safety that was not athletic at all, and he got converted to linebacker immediately out of college. And he wasn't really good there either. Like, he's, he still can't cover, which is sad. Um, they're starting Bilal Nichols at three technique and they've got Neil Farrell. Uh, do you remember Jonathan Hankins? Yeah. Then, you know, Neil Farrell, they're the same guy. Isn't Jonathan Hankins still on my team? He's on, I don't know. He's somewhere. Or is he in Indy? I, I think he's in Indy. I'm fairly certain he's in Indy. I wanted to say Indy, but I thought he got let go. No, I think they let go. No, Raiders. He's on the Raiders? Yep, he's on the Raiders. They're just starting the younger version of Jonathan Hankins? Oh, my God, yeah, he's right there. Boom, in their base defense. Oh, my. Well, they have two different... They like Jonathan Hankins. I've got two copies of my Los Angeles driver's license. They've got two copies of Jonathan Hankins. (laughs) A long story. Everyone everyone prefers to hoard different things. Different strokes for different folks. Uh, And we can say that because the Raiders don't currently have any suspensions. I forgot that they have Chandler Chandler Jones. Jones. That's a really good pairing with Max Crosby. So they're elite at defensive end. They're serviceable at cornerback. Everything else, not so much. Yeah, I think the linebackers are bad. Straight up bad. The linebackers are straight up bad, and they're going to get victimized by all the short throws that the Chargers are going to perpetrate upon them. So it's not great. Uh, I I don't know what to expect out of their defense. Uh, it's a brand new defensive regime there, and I honestly I I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't know what to expect. But on the other side of the ball, I really expect great things out of Josh McDaniels, despite the terrible offensive line. Yeah, that offensive line is fucking rough. We've we've touched on it before. Colton Miller is the only one that should be playing for an NFL team. Nah, yeah, that no. might be too harsh. But I he's the only James good one. Is good. I think Andre James is serviceable and Colton Miller is good. Everybody else, yikes. Yeah, but the playmakers are pretty sick. Oh, they're fucking great. Renfro is the new Wes Welker. Uh, and I don't just say that because he's small and white. He, he has the exact same route tree. He will run the quick routes. He will not, he cannot hit vertical. He is not fast. He is not even Cooper Cup fast. He is just quick. And Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Darren Waller is the best tight end in football. And magically, right after signing his extension, just in time for the season, he's healthy again. So maybe it turns out he just needed some money, <laughs> which I mean, is pretty typical of former heroin addicts. Even ones that I love because they're great at football and dazzlingly good looking. Not- he he is carved out of marble. No, dude, just like purely heterosexual things here. You gotta wish you looked like that, man. Yeah, it would probably make life easier. Probably, probably. Uh- <laughs> Um, so as, as great as the scheme is on offense for the Raiders, uh, the defensive scheme for the Chargers fucking sucks. 
I, I don't know how Brandon Staley keeps getting away with this. They do have elite ends. Or, well, do they? Because Joey Bosa is a little overrated, but he's really good. And Khalil Mack is overrated, but how good is he still? I think he's still good. I think he was kind of phoning in a little bit at the end of Chicago. I agree. But it, you know, also, it's a question. Someone at work told me that Khalil Mack is a wonderful guy and incredible tipper. I've heard this. I've heard that he's legitimately an awesome dude. Yeah. So let's call him really, really good ends. Not quite elite, but very good. They'll be fine inside and their linebackers will be serviceable, sort of. Their corners, JC Jackson is good, but they're going to use him the wrong way. And Asante Samuel Jr. is good, but they are going to continue putting him on the outside when he needs to be a slot. He's 5'8". Yes. He's 5 fucking 8. He's a slot. Derwin James is more of a linebacker than a safety, and Nas Adderley is actually good. Um, all of this to say, I think that the Raiders should, in theory, be able to score some points. I think that if coaches were neutral, this would be a blowout for the Chargers. But Brandon yep. Staley is liable to give any game away by doing immeasurably stupid shit in the name of fitting a spreadsheet. He's just West Coast Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, he's new age Kevin Stefanski. He's like Kevin Stefanski, but he calls himself a tech company. Like he's exactly. the we work of Kevin Stefanski. He took the 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 blue collar Midwestern stuff and and Silicon Valley did. He 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 took the vowels out of the term blue collar, so it's just B L C L R, and and he made an app. And instead of running the ball for three yards of play, he throws it for three yards of play. <laughs> and instead of punting all the fucking time, he goes for it on fourth down all the fucking time, and then sometimes doesn't get it and gives up short fields. It's just a fun, creative, new way to do Big Ten football, bitch. He also doesn't know how to run a defense. He's super, super, super passive. This is the thing I don't get. Stefanski does it and Staley does it. On defense, their philosophy is give him the short shit. We're fine with that. We're going to prevent the big stuff. Make them have 10 plays in a row of short shit that are effective. But then on offense, he's like, you know what we should really do? The exact <laughs> same thing that I want them to do to us. This running the ball and quick hitter passes really keep us safe. And that makes me feel comfortable. We don't want to turn the ball over. Yeah, literally, like. On defense, we like them to do X and we're afraid of Y. On offense, we will do X and are afraid to do Y. Sir, do you understand? Do you, fuck, do you fucking understand that no matter how many times you quote a metric or a retrofitted data set, this logical fallacy makes you stupid. You are stupid because of this. I forgot how much the NFL season raises my blood pressure. Holy Love shit. Love it. We all do. I think we actually got a table slap out of you. <laughs> yes, you did. I hope the mic picked that up. Holy fuck. Oh, I mean, it, it must have because I heard it. I literally pounded the table with hatred for Brandon Staley. Watch him come out this year totally revamped and the offense is just gorgeous and they're just the best team in football. Um, that rant will live in infamy if so. But yeah, It I, would I be pretty funny if he just like corrected all of his mistakes. It was like, you know, I think we should be more aggressive. And then they win 14 games. But easily, like they would easily do that. They would be a top five team. They'd be a top three team. They might be a top two team. It's stupid. Okay. Anyhow, I don't think we can bet on this game. Do you? No, I don't think so. All right. Let's do the last four o'clock slate guy. All right. And to finish up the four o'clock slate, we have the incredibly exciting New York Giants going to play the Tennessee Titans. The Titans minus five and a half. Um, I'm going to go ahead and proceed you with, I don't want to bet on this game. Yeah, I don't want to bet on this game. I don't game. really want to watch it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, okay, These cool. are These are two teams that we have opinions about and there are things to talk about, but... Uh, you could listen to those in the in the gas and fade podcast from the last couple of weeks. There's just this game is not bettable. Yeah, it's it's 
it's going to be ugly. I'm not, I'm not really excited. It's going to be two teams that are kind of in very big transitional periods. And yeah, I mean, the, the Titans are still trying a little bit. Um, the Titans should win this game. I think honestly, the defense should kind of brutalize the Giants offense. Yeah. And that's a little bit and the the Titans offense also not great, but the Giants defense is probably worse. So that's kind of my entire read on it. But weird number. I don't need to bet on this game. Yeah, I, I mean, even if game. even if even if the Titans were still good, you don't bet Titans minus more than three. So the yeah. fact that they're bad now and have no wide receivers to speak of, except for Robert Woods, who is the consummate average receiver. Yeah, no, we're just not touching it. Let's do Sunday night. Let's just fucking do yeah. Sunday night. Nice and easy. Now, this game will have some juice. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are plus two. Uh, before we get started, I need to I need to make you aware of something. We're, we're betting on this game. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure we already bet on this game, but yes, I mean I have money on Tampa minus one because uh, Tom Brady needed to go figure out some divorce shit, and then half the people decided it was definitely plastic surgery because they don't know how plastic surgery works, and the other half of the people decided he's not ever coming back. So bet against the Bucks, and then the Cowboys lost their left tackle, and, and, and their response to it was to throw their entire offensive line into disarray for. So they just signed Jason Peters and that's great, but he's not playing this week. I don't believe because he's not on the roster yet. He's on the practice squad and they're trying to keep really? it. That, they're keeping it that way because if he's on the roster week one, he's fully guaranteed and they don't want that. So I don't think he plays week one. And if he does, he certainly will not have practiced significantly. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, like the guy was on his couch six days ago being 40 um that said he's still good the other thing is they're not gonna play him at left tackle they're playing him at left guard and they're kicking really? uh fuck what's his name smith their their first round pick out of uh is it louis or it's tulsa louisiana tech tulsa oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know you're talking about it was tulsa Who? yeah it's tulsa smith uh fuck what's doesn't matter Smith was a very, very athletic tackle at Tulsa who just couldn't stop holding people at Tulsa. So I don't believe that he will be very uh, capable against the likes of Shaq Barrett and Akeem Hicks in the NF the fuck L at left tackle when he's been practicing at left guard the entire summer because he looked really, really bad in OTAs at left tackle. So that's not going to go well. No. And this is this is ignoring the fact that they've got Terrence Steele over here at right tackle sucking dicks for fun. Nothing yeah, against homosexuals. Very bad. No, he's bad. This is not a homophobic statement. This is a turn of phrase. So yeah, their interior is very good. But you know, you know what sucks about their interior being real good is they're going against Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks, the best interior defensive line in the NFL. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Akeem Hicks is getting old, but he's still just a house of a human. And another case of did he really give a fuck last year? There's no, no way. he absolutely did not. No, he legitimately affirmatively confirmed. Okay, those are three redundant words. Akeem Hicks confirmed that last year he did not give a fuck because he knew he was on a team going nowhere. I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's coincidence that he was just fucking incredible for years. And then when the team had a lame duck head coach and a bad quarterback and no chance of winning anything, he turned it off. So Dak Prescott's going to be under pressure. Dak Prescott kind of fucking sucks. Uh, I think Dak has been discussed ad nauseum. And then all of a sudden the, the Cowboys wide receivers are not that impressive. Like nope. CD lamb, CD lamb is good, but Carlton Davis can take that ass. 
And then Jalen Tolbert, I'm not impressed. Is that Noah Brown? No, that's a chief. Oh, there's two Noah Browns. That tells you what you need to know about Noah Brown. <laughs> um, yeah, because Gallup's still hurt. Gallup is hurt. They lost Cedric They Wilson. lost Ced, and they traded Amari. Yeah, so it's a tough room. Hey, they they're, franchise they're tag Dalton Schultz, though. Yeah, congrats. He's fine. He's a solid yeah, tight end. He's, he's fine. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Buccaneers defense is not only one of the most talented, but certainly the most complex to face. Yeah. And you've, you've got a young, inexperienced offensive line. And then Jason Peters, who joined the team two days ago, everybody's positions have been shuffled around to accommodate the loss of Tyron Smith. And they're also not that fucking good. And they're going against an extremely talented, extremely complex defensive line with stunting blitzes and Devin White flying around not knowing how to cover people. It's just a recipe for fucking disaster if you're Dallas. I don't think Dallas scores that much. I think that the Bucs can hold them under 24. I mean, garbage time points aside. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think Dallas will, they're going to be able to pass a little bit. CD's still good enough. Uh, Kellen Moore is still good enough that he's going to get get guys open. And Zeke and Tony Pollard create a decent backfield. I don't think they're toothless, but it's again, goes back to I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with their opponent. Well, here's the other thing is Jerry Jones insists, and he usually gets his way in Dallas. He insists that they, they're a running football team first and that Zeke is the run. If that's the fucking case... If that's the fucking case, the Cowboys are screwed because you cannot run on Tampa, even when you have a good offensive line, even when you have good running backs. And simply put, that ain't Dallas. And then you get to the other side of the ball. I don't want to say that the Buccaneers are going to be better on offense this year than last year, but the potential to do so is certainly there. They're yes. so deep at wide receiver. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they're honestly, they they just have a deep team. I mean, the entire defense is pretty deep. Like they, they've got multiple pass rushers, multiple corners, multiple safeties. You can go to the offense where they've got multiple wide receivers to the point that they, I mean, didn't they cut Tyler Johnson, who isn't great, but he's a guy that got signed pretty quickly because they just have so many receivers. Yeah, I, it looks like Godwin's actually going to play week one. He's practicing without a brace, fully go as of today. So he might play, but even if he doesn't, you still have Mike Evans and Justin Gage and Julio Jones, who is fine. He's the best fourth receiver in the NFL, probably. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then, you know, the offensive line, people talk shit. Well, let's go over it because Tristan Wirfs is still a great right tackle. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shaq Mason, who they got from the Patriots for a song and a dance. Honestly, it might have just been crazy. It might just been a song. I don't even think there was a song and a dance, but they got him for nothing. He's an elite guard. Yeah, he's really good. Donovan Smith is a good left tackle, like legitimately good. And then they have question marks at center with Hainsey and left guard with Godkey. But I like Godkey coming out of North Dakota, the motherland where, where my people are from. And he was a good tackle there. I believe that he will be good at guard. It's gonna, he's going to have some bumps along the way, but I think that he will get there. And then Robert Hainsey was a tackle at Notre Dame. If nothing else, he's got to be polished, right? And the Bucks are excited about him, so I don't know. But the fucking thing is, once upon a time, once upon a time, Ryan Jensen was a journeyman center that people didn't think could really be a starter. And Ali Marpet was considered a bad guard legitimately bad, like on his way out of the league. And then Tom Brady came by, made Ali Marpet a good guard and turned Ryan Jensen into the best center in football. Maybe, just maybe, that has more to do with Tom Brady than those players because he gets the ball out quick. He identifies pressures. He identifies the mic. He sets up protections really well. He does all the mental aspects for an offensive line and makes their job easy by anticipating like a motherfucker. So I am not worried even a little bit about this offensive line. And I know the fucking, oh, but you can see 
stop Brady by pressuring him up the middle. You better do it in less than three seconds. You better do it in less than two and a half seconds. And I don't know how the fuck you're going to do it with, is that Tommy Bohanna? No, it's Quinton Bohanna. Tells you everything you need to know. And uh, were you thinking Tommy Bahama, maybe? No, Tommy Bohanna Hanna was actually a fullback for, I want to say, the Chiefs once upon a time. I have um, no idea. I just know Tommy Bahama is a fine he, clothing. He ran a good 40 time and I took notice because back in the day, that's all I cared about. Um, And then, yeah, their, their second defensive tackle is a person named Osa Odighizua, a late third round pick from a year ago. I don't expect either of them to do anything at all. No. Much less destroy the game for Tom Brady. So pardon me for believing that the Buccaneers will be A-OK as far as time to pass goes. And pardon me for not having faith in Trevon Diggs, who constantly gets burnt in coverage, getting a lucky pick off of Brady. The cornerbacks the are not good. The linebackers are bad in coverage. And the defensive line is lacking. This, this entire Cowboys defense is, can Micah Parsons be good rushing the passer? Can Demarcus Lawrence have one of his good days? And please pray to God that Malik Hooker can be Ohio State Malik Hooker and not hurt. So yeah, in summary, defensive line kind of sucks unless they kick Micah Parsons down to defensive end. Cornerbacks kind of fucking suck. Linebackers, you certainly do not want them covering the pass. And safeties, just pray that Malik Hooker can be Ohio State Malik Hooker and healthy. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a tough bill when you're going against Tom Brady and an offense that has been pretty elite the last couple of years. Um, I think this is definitely, I mean, I know we already bet on it, but this is one where like, I feel almost strange. Like, why isn't the line bigger? But then I kind of go, eh, it's Cowboys fervor. It always happens. Well, then let's fucking, let's throw a star next to this bitch and make it a best bet, a double unit play. How many best bets are we going to have this week, man? As many as I fucking feel like, God damn it. (laughs) It's week one. We're going to overdose. We're going to bet best bets on every single one, triple units, fuck it all. Not really. No, it's just, it's, it's Miami and it's Tampa Bay. And here, here's the cha-ching to let you know it's real. Boom. And it actually worked on the first try that time. Soundboard going for the smoothness. Um, I don't think there's anything else to say about this game. Uh, we're both expecting it to be a pretty comfortable Tampa win, I'd say. Yeah. But who knows? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see on Sunday night. But let's move on to the final game of week one. Finish it off with an absolute barn burner. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos travel to see, uh, play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are plus six and a half. No. No. Yeah, no, I was like, all right, we we kind of wrapped up the, the first week already because this this game is not good. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that the Broncos are a little overrated because I don't think that Russ is very good, but I, and it's the first game for a, a guy who, honestly, Nathaniel Hackett should not be a head coach, and he is, and that's a concern, but... You could convince me the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFL. So yeah, this think, is just right. And, and there's the whole emotional aspect. It's just too ripe for chaos. No, I'm not touching it. Fuck this. No, no. Yeah, we can we can get deeper into these teams next week. Potentially, they might be playing shitty games again. But uh, the Seahawks are going to be terrible. They have zero hope at quarterback right now. Uh the offensive line isn't terrible. Well, it's bad, but it has some hope to get better. I love um, their tackles, but other than that, I don't know. Yeah. The ball. Uh, and the defense. 
you know, we could get into this and like talk about some of the players that we like or don't like on both teams, but really, I just don't want to talk about this game whatsoever. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't see any action. I don't want to use this as a leg on a parlay or a teaser uh, because there is just too much chaos baked in too much unpredictability and bad teams. Yeah. Like well, it's a pretty big number. There's a, a lot of, you know, the narrative to it and it's just, it shouldn't be a good game. <laughs> it's it's going to it's a Monday night game too. So this line's going to get bet. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect market. It's a very liquid market. I don't, I almost feel bad. I, I feel like I owe the listeners a breakdown for a Monday night football game, but you know what? The NFL owes me a decent fucking matchup on Monday night football. How about that? To start the year, no less. Like, I know they, they gave us multiple- a crazy one on Thursday, but hell. This, this should have been Browns versus Panthers, but we're not that lucky. I don't know. I think that game might be pretty ugly as well. <laughs> You're right. This should have been Chargers versus Raiders. That that I agree with, especially with how they ended last season. Could have been Green Bay versus Minnesota. Fuck. Yeah. No, they, they definitely could have given us. There were a lot of games. Tampa and Dallas. I know it's Sunday night, but still, like, there, there were a lot of good games they could have played <laughs> on Monday night that were not Seattle and Denver. All right. But I think that closes it up for week one. You want to run through what our – five picks or I guess six picks are. Yeah. So let's recap real quick. Uh, We've got Thursday night. We've got LA plus two and a half for the contest plus two and a half over Buffalo. But in real life, play that shit money line, right? Yeah. That's for one unit. We have Miami over New England minus three. That's a best bet. That's a, that's an asterisk. That's a two, two unit play. So that's on the list. Uh, We've got Carolina over Cleveland minus two. You weren't that sold on it. I love it. It scares me a little bit, but also I think the Browns will be undisciplined and get a lot of penalties and be bad in week one. Like they always are. Um, So it's kind of conflicting things. Honestly, like I don't want to bet my own money on this game because it's a Browns game and a Baker game. And my emotions are just all over the place. All fair points. Okay. We've got green Bay over Minnesota for one unit. That's definitely going on the list, right? Yeah. Let me type that in. So we've already got one, two, three, four picks because Tampa over Dallas is a best bet, a two unit play that's going on the list. So now it's down to Kansas City minus four and a half over Arizona or Carolina minus two over the Browns. Choose. And this is for super contest. Indeed. Because in real life, you would tease, you would either tease or play an alt line for that Kansas City game, get it to two and a half. I would personally tease Kansas City minus two and a half and Baltimore money line, put that together in a box, send it to go get your money. Yeah. No, I mean, that's it. it because there are between Indy and Baltimore, and there's so many good legs that you can use to help you out here. Um, I'm pretty sure we both actually have done that exact thing of using Baltimore to tease Kansas City down. But I don't know, man. I mean, I think Kansas City is definitely going to – they really should beat the shit out of the Cardinals, I think. I True. think they should – scored five touchdowns and shouldn't give up more than two three but you 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 like the the panthers game a lot (laughs) i do i i just i think that the way that the schemes line up will help the panthers a lot and i get the much better quarterback you know what fuck it let's we're gonna go with our guys we'll go with the panthers i agree i'm glad that you came to this conclusion so officially our five picks that we will be putting into the circa millions contest are la miami carolina green bay and tampa with kansas city as your bonus pick for those of you who listened all the way through beautiful i actually i really like that board you know famous last words but don't you put that voodoo on me oh my god (laughs) if i have a losing week one 
after fucking selling picks for the first time in my life, I'm going to be apoplectic. It'd be it'd be a rough uh, week to podcast. Not going to lie. I would get blackout drunk and I don't do that. <laughs> I was about to say, when's the last time you did that? In a bathtub in Dallas. It didn't end so well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and with that, you may tail us. You may fade us. I do not care which way. However, I ask only one thing of you. And that is that you please bet on football games this merry 2022 NFL season. With that, hasta. Thank <music> you.